Love Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. And thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight, I was hoping to be able to have a little fun, and and perhaps we can uh, have a little bit in the midst of, of course, I'm sure you're well aware of the recent tragedy. Uh, originally, uh, we were going to have the show be tonight, and we still can't um, uh, talk about, of course, the origins of Valentine's Day. Is uh, today's yeah, Happy Valentine's Day for some folks out there, as well as uh, to our, I believe, Catholic friends out there, which is Ash Wednesday. Uh, I can find that kind of a an interesting, uh, perhaps even dilemma <laughs> for, for for folks uh, there. Um, but be that it may be the first. Uh, uh, first day of Lent and the being unable to have that steak dinner on Valentine's Day. But anyway, I'm not going to digress too much. But, of course, we do want to put our condolences and our thoughts out uh, to the family and friends of those uh, killed. And uh, once again, horrific shooting at a school. And, of course, we will uh, open that up for discussion this evening if anyone likes. I will make some brief commentary on it Uh tonight you know of course that that may you know that's consuming the airways uh right now of course once again the you know the gun debate and things of that nature and we can we can bring that into the conversation tonight that's fine of course we do want to talk about you know our topic you know the origins of valentine's day which is interesting and and perhaps uh some of the uh wars and things caused by love and religion of course we will uh talk about politics uh as well and so uh, last thing before I bring some callers in, I see, uh, Joseph, if you'd like to get in, I see others on the call, just push the one on your number dial. Uh, we will get you into the show, uh, and, uh, we'll go from there. But first a few brief comments about today is that of course the gun debate is sure to rear its ugly head again. Uh, two things that I would suggest, and I've suggested this before, especially the first one I'm going to bring up is it, it, it's not just my suggestion, but it's one I agree with is that let's have someone, whether it's a trained principal, whether it is a uh, tired military or, uh, you know, somebody of that nature, a police officer, or, or even if you got to pay for on duty officers to have at least one inside these schools, uh, perhaps you can, you know, come up with a number of how many uh, officers or, or guards you would need per capita inside the, building per student, you know, do something, uh, you know, like, gosh, we're going to spend our tax paying dollars on something, or if it's a public school, private school on something, you could pay for someone, you know, and I'm sure the parents that that'd be one charge 
uh, even if you itemized it for private schools, but I think the uh, the students or the the parents would be more than happy uh, to pay for uh, the get them in and get those damn stickers off of the windows saying this is a gun free zone. You don't have a school be a gun free zone because let me tell you, the pe- it's not like if you do that, pe- te- students are going to be re- running rife within the school without a gun, without guns. Are with guns? No, they're not going to do that. But you can't say that no guns are going to be in here and make it some kind of legal somebody get arrested for it, uh, because you're going to need someone in that school, someone trained with a gun, to in order to take care of these these people. Now, whether it's another student, hell, you know, you hate to think that you got to kill a minor who goes, you know, off and starts shooting a bunch of kids. This kid's reminder saying was 18, wasn't even a student in the school any longer. Um, and it took the police 20 minutes to get there, uh, through, through my understanding. So have somebody in the school, and two, uh, one of the things uh, to discuss is, you know, I think that the technology is there. How many people listening to this call right now, whether it's live or on the uh, the podcast, how many of you have a, a smartphone? And how many of your smartphones at least give you the ability, you may not use it, I know I do, but you may not use it, have your fingerprint where you, you, you can open up your phone with a fingerprint. Why? I mean, I'm not a big gun control, you know, supporter, but, I mean, the technology is there. The technology is there. You have these guns where you have to have your fingerprint. And then no more, you know, and I'm, to be honest, not for curtailing people purchasing guns, but I think being able to purchase a gun online is a stupid idea, especially if you were to be able to get implemented these, uh, these fingerprinting devices on guns, and only the owner have it programmed. You know, have it. I mean, my gosh, you got little phones and watches. You got little phones. I mean, just to have a little electronics inside a gun, you know, is not, would not be that difficult to do. It, the technology's out there. Do it. Uh, but I want you know that's my thoughts on it. I want to hear your thoughts on it as well as uh, as well as our other topics this evening. So let's go ahead and go and, and open things up because I know uh, you folks out there don't want to just hear me talk all night. So let's go ahead and bring in Joseph uh, from Hawaii. Thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, you're welcome, Robert. Happy Valentine's Day to uh, everyone else out there and the listeners. And uh, my heart is just um, so sad and, and uh, filled with angst. Um to see uh, another horrific shooting like that uh, when there's been so many previous to that, especially um, on Valentine's Day. Not that if it was done on any other day, it would have made, it would have not, it's not like it would have not hurt the same, but especially on a day that's supposed to be a special romantic day for moms and dads and, and husbands and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and couples. Um, you know, I'm sure it put a damper on, on a lot of people with this shooting. It was probably planned uh, to be on today, frankly. Probably, um, you know, because uh, from what is known about the suspect is that this was a very well-planned-out attack. Uh, Nicholas Cruz, the 19-year-old suspect, he actually came in with a gas mask and smoke grenades. This was well thought out and uh, well uh, executed. 
And this is considered the 10 uh, most deadliest man shootings in modern U.S. history. And, uh, you know, he was already expelled from the school as of last year. Uh, and uh, he had a no Don't be an idiot. They won't suspend you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Expelled. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Um, at the moment, uh, you know, I, I looked up different articles, and the high school's not releasing what the uh, disciplinary reasons at the moment as to why he was expelled. Uh, but so he did trespass. He was not a current student. He was uh, banned about a year ago. And the weird thing is when they interviewed the students who survived coming out and they heard about uh, the suspect, they actually said that last year before he got expelled, in a joking way last year, that if ever there were to be a shooting, they said that Nicholas Cruz would be the prime candidate to carry out something of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. And, and I there you go. Really shivering. Exactly. Dis- that disturbing. was disturbing. It really disturbing, and the fact that a uh, a year ago, you know, they were joking about something so tragic uh, like that. And I agree with you a hundred percent, Robert. You know, um, the the one pattern in all these school shootings—Sandy Hook, Columbine, um, you know, um, the shooting in Florida, uh, the shooting in in the Orlando nightclub, the shooting in in the Colorado movie theater. The one commonality that it all had, especially in the school shootings, and everyone agreed afterwards, you know, the authorities and and the FBI that did the investigation in the aftermath, had these schools had an armed security guard, they would have been able to have prevented a lot of tragedies from even happening, which you point out such a valid point. They even went as far as to say, had they just had one guard, per school, as large as the school is, but a guard that would be armed and experienced. It would have made the world of a difference in a lot of these shootings, because in a lot of these shootings, they were done with uh, assault weapons uh, of high caliber, and there was nobody to neutralize the shooters. There was nobody to take down the shooters. Um, So... Yeah, I think that this debate, especially after this shooting, uh, it needs to be brought up again because every time a tragedy like this occurs and this debate is brought up, a few weeks later, it it dissipates. It just goes away, as if our politicians never take it seriously. And so I I really do truly hope something is seriously done um, going forward. And my heart and uh, my, my... Prayers and my condolences go out to the family and the victims of this tragedy. Yeah, and it's, you know, let's, I mean, you're right. And, and they, they talk about it for a little bit, and then, of course, you know, the next news cycle comes, and within a couple weeks, you know, it will go away. And then, of course, if it happens again, and then, no, I'm not saying that's done by by design, if they just forget about it and, and not do anything about it. Um, but, you know, just with the way the news cycle is. However, you know, these next four years, I would really like to see a lot of things that we've talked about for a long, long time uh, finally get accomplished so we can move on move on to better things. And you you want to talk about, you know, increasing employment, you know, you know, creating jobs. I mean, I, as I said, I mean, 
taxpayers, whether it's, you know, in the schools or, or maybe even – and I actually, instead of taxes, here's what I would propose. Uh, you know, pretty much same as in uh, – because everyone, every, every parent – you know, now I say every parent should, you know, have, you know, have to pay for their own child's education, but be that as it may, is that I say that every parent, you know, you have, for instance, for an example, if you want your child to play sports, even at some public school, you got to pay extra. So why not, you know, you could do a budget. You know how much these folks are going to make per hour, you know, depending on the state. You know, you know how much they're going to make per hour. You calculate it out. You budget it out. You know how many families are – you know how many families – are in the school, you know, and you or you can at least, you know, guess by, you know, previous enrollments who's going to be in the school. You divide that up, say, okay, each parent pays 50 bucks, 100 bucks, or whatever it ends up being, you know, for, you know to – and this is to save the other, other children. What parent's going to bitch about that? It's, it's not like they're – you know, have to pay, for instance, I had to pay for my daughter's laptop four years' worth of insurance on it. I'm like, well, what happens if she don't get to the school for four years, which is end up going to be the case, you know? But you know, but they need the laptop because that's how they do their stuff. So you got to pay for it, you know. And I can, you know, a little bit because it's a laptop. Now, if it's for the security of your children, who's going to complain about that? So because you know, I'd rather that than use tax dollars, really. But so you calculate it out, you find out how much it's going to pay because you know how many hours you're going to work, you know how much you're going to they're going to how much you're going to charge per hour. And you, and you budget, you say, okay, parents, for the safety of our children, we require each person to pay, you know, 50 bucks, whatever. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're on welfare. And believe me, I've known some people who were. If they came and said 50 to 100 bucks in one year for one school year, they can't, you can't, there's, there's not a parent out there who cannot come up. I don't whether you got to work for it, whether you got to borrow it. Whether you got to make a damn lemonade stand to come up with the money so that you can, your kid can be safe, you pay the money, you get that person in there, and protect your kids. So there, I mean, there's a system in place. That, you know, as Nike would say, just do it. Just do it. But let's go ahead, and we got a couple, you know, others on the line for one when you want to get in. And, of course, uh, we will be keeping your uh, mic open, Joseph. But let's go ahead and bring in Dr. Tolbert. Thank you very much, Dr. Tolbert, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm I'm doing well. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's an issue. I don't know how much time you want to spend on what you just said because I think you kind of covered it all. And if you go back in to historical data, there was nothing to prove that he would or had done anything that would have made people assume that he was going to be violent in the future because – of his past that he carried bullets and other things. But, you know, it all comes down to you've got to protect the schools with guards and what they've done, they've turned over the public school system to the federal government and it's being funded and miscontrolled and the state governors are not taking charge of it. And so that's where we got to get back into the elimination of the federal public school. You got to get back into the state requirement to protect the public school system. And once they get back into that constitutionality of that, it's one of the articles that's going uh, to the president very shortly is the elimination of the Department of Education. And I think that's our biggest problem. 
one of the really major problem is Islam or ISIS uses schools as hiding and hostages. What I'm concerned about is that what took place is going to open the door for more violence once it is realized by ISIS that we're not protected in our schools and that we're going to see more violence by outside sources and not just Mm. by a 19-year-old young boy. And there are always the question is, who is he following and how did he learn to do what he did if not looking at how somebody else did the exact same thing a month ago during the uh, festive when they shot all these people through the window. And so there's just historical data. Um, We just got to get out of that whole thing. We cannot say that we need to violate the Second Amendment and not have people armed. That is one of the problems we're having. Even our churches today are finding the same problem, that there is no guards at the doors protecting religious organizations. And the churches have to take and take the same stand because you have hundreds of people also in your different ministries. So all this is a real problem of um, the rights of an individual to carry arms. A lot of people don't understand that there is a what they call a contained weapon. Uh, a contained weapon means you do not need a permit to carry a gun, that you can put your gun in your glove compartment and it's considered to be contained. You can put it in a holster with a strap. It is considered to be contained. You can put it in a carrying box, and it is contained. So people in the state of Florida, there are statutes that allow you to not have a gun permit but carry a weapon, and it's called a contained weapon because it's secured. And I think that's one of the things that we have to get back to, that people have to be better prepared. Uh, why wasn't there someone in the vicinity? And then the question was, what if someone had been there and had a gun and was drawing on the 19-year-old? Would that person then, by the SWAT team, been taken out, assuming he was part of that same group? So it's a very dangerous situation when you're facing a combat situation like that. It's it's. When we were in Vietnam, we saw that happen a lot, um, where the underground came out in tunnels, and we were told on particular days you cannot come out because of the underground forces were moving from point A to point B. Someone had to know that this young man was preparing to do this, regardless of what anybody thinks. So in a background investigation, people are just going to have to stand up on it. Um, are we going to finish with that subject? <laughs> well, if we'd like, uh, let's, we're going to break things uh, the roundtable. We do have uh, Cindy on the line, and let's see what she's, her thoughts, and then you know, we'll bring it definitely to our topics this evening too. 
Uh, but you know this is going to be, uh, whether people listening live now out there or listening uh, to the podcast, this is you know going to be a first and foremost thing on their minds. Um, this is something I believe was developing to, you know, ju- just today. I heard about it. And, I, and I'm going to be frank with you folks. And, Cindy, I got your mic open. Just give me a moment. Um, is that uh, I, I, haven't wa- I haven't watched much of it. I just heard that, you know, the kid's name, he's 19. He pulled a fire alarm so that, you know, he could get more students to come out. Uh, and he had uh, an AR-15, I think, is the only things that I've really heard, you know, some of. And, if, you know, that's that's really the extent of it. I, I haven't heard a lot. I haven't watched a lot of it. Um, I worked late. I came home. I did show, some show prep for tonight, ate dinner, and here we are. <laughs> so that's all uh, That's all the uh, exposure I've had to that today. Uh, but, Cindy, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I'm not doing all that well because of the news today, but other than that, I'm okay. Um, I, I'm appalled that nobody anywhere on television, radio, I mean, I've been listening all day long to stuff here and there, snippets, and I don't hear anybody blaming anything except the gun and mental illness. And nobody is is breaching the subject of the real reason that this is all happening. And that is because in the 1960s, we threw God out of our schools and we threw accountability out of our schools no one's allowed to punish a child there's no spanking there's no expelling when you're you know uh, there's there's so many kids in our schools right now that need to be expelled and they're still sitting there in the schools and and even though this guy was expelled he was obviously expelled way too late because he needed to be expelled a long time ago and and there, the whole thing is because we do not have God in our schools anymore, and there is no accountability whatsoever. Children have nothing to fear, absolutely nothing to fear. They don't have their parents to fear anymore. They don't have the teachers, the principal. They don't have God to fear anymore. There's nobody keep holding them accountable for their behavior. And that, my friend, is the whole reason why there are no morals. Children are growing up with no sense of um, uh, guilt or shame um, over anything that they do wrong. Um, there's just no such thing anymore. So that is where the whole problem lies, and until that gets fixed, we will continue to have more school shooting. And I look at the, the breakdown of um, shootings since... Um, America became a country. In the 17th century, excuse me, the 18th century, one child was killed in school, and that was from an Indian attack. In um, in the 19th century, 24, uh, sorry, 14 children were killed in school. I don't know how, why, or what that was, but that probably also had something to do with Indians or, you know, people out west doing you know, they're horrible things. Okay. Um, then you come up to the 20th century and you have 254 killed in schools. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, killed. Injured, 406. So um, this is where we're headed. 
and and in the um, in the twentieth century, uh, in the whole twentieth century, it was two hundred and sorry, two hundred twenty six shootings. In just the first month and a half of this century, um, two hundred twelve. 212 just in the first month and a half so there there is definitely a trend and it's not a good trend and this is only one of the symptoms of throwing God out of our country and throwing morals out of our country um, there are other symptoms when you look at unwed mothers and abortions suicides drug abuse um uh, you, you just go down the list of all the bad things that are happening to our children right now. And and what you have is the results of no God, no morals, no accountability. And that's all I have to say about that. we got uh, Kelly here who would like uh, to chime in. And so, yeah, this is definitely, a, you know, affecting a lot of folks. Um and you know, and, and you know what I'm wondering is just as we do a lot of things, um, I wonder how long it's going to take till we just get numb from this stuff. Who knows? Maybe that's what they're waiting I for. Think, I don't know. Maybe that's I why they're not doing anything. They're already, they're already numb, Robert. This this means nothing to a whole lot of people. And Kelly, think of, yeah, yeah, I think it's getting there to people. It's, it's becoming one of those norms. You know what I mean? Like people are like, well, you know, this is just how it is now. Um, Kelly, what's your thoughts? Well, I certainly would not want to be a parent tonight that lost a kid. That's so tragic. And there's stats on divorce that when a child dies, the couple seems to turn on each other, and the divorce rate's pretty high amongst those that lose a child. Um... But so that's really sad, and of course, these young kids that may have had incredible potential, they'll never be able to see that. It's really sad. And about the shooter, if I got expelled, I'd probably show up at the school with a birthday cake for the principal, because that way I wouldn't be brainwashed by the system anymore. <laughs> um. I mean, our public schools are just point. a joke. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for kicking me out. I've got a job, and I realized what the real world was, and I'm going to try to make something of myself better than what the schools have done. Katrina wiped out a whole bunch of schools in Louisiana, and they had, didn't have the money nor the time nor the blah, 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 blah. So a lot of people went to homeschooling, and guess what happened? Charter schools also because they were – somewhat quicker to respond. They had a reset button on their public schools in Louisiana. And, that, and the scores and test scores skyrocketed. So we have a miserable, failing public school system. And here in California, we finally went to charter schools, but you got to have a teacher come visit you once a week, make sure you're doing progress. Well, who cares more about the child then? A parent, that would be, oh, let's see, 
the dad, the mom, the grandpa, the grandma, okay? And so you get uh, – but they fought that. They fought that. They fought, but finally we got charter schools, and you get somebody employed by the state. The money goes from the state to charter schools, which, by the way, saves an awful lot of money. And my compliments to you, Robert, for putting your child in a public school. Um, and even what I saw, I was living in Sacramento. And uh, my wife at the time, she was a credentialed teacher that would go around to these homeschool parents. Oh, and guess what? Horizon Instructional Institution, which was a charter school, they for two years in a row, they had the highest star tests. I guess that they called them star tests, but they had the highest test scores of the state. And uh, a lot of Christians elected to just pull their kids out. And, and then they, they started all of a sudden, you know, connecting as kind of a homeschool community and encouraging things happened. And they had the best test scores two years in a row. And so once again, our public schools are having a dismal problem. And she had a couple homeschool parents in rough tart parts of the town, which was Oak Park, kind of a subdivision. If you go to Oak Park at night, bring body armor. Um, and there's sometimes you can hear firecrackers. And they're not firecrackers. And uh, But one one woman, I think there's a couple of her, I call them clients, mothers that were homeschooling their kids. They pulled their kids out of the public school because they were afraid they're their son or daughter was going to get killed or beat up or maimed or who knows what the kids are going to do. So that was fascinating. I mean, how many ways past Tuesday? That would be a good show topic. Um, that would be a good show topic is somebody who's a charter school advocate to come on and explain here's the stats and we're doing so much better for less money and the kids are more well-adjusted. I remember college couple kids that were homeschooled in engineering, they were just amazing. I couldn't believe the grades they were getting. I mean, like, Corey, can't remember his last name. Nobody gets a 4.0 their freshman year. Nobody. He did. <laughs> and there was an MK or missionary kid, of course, all over the world. He's homeschooled, and how did he do? He's got phenomenal grades, and he seemed to, it just seemed so easy. For me, I was struggling. I mean, I was salutatorium high school class and I was just really really struggling uh, in college eventually I ended up with a degree or two in engineering but but then um, you look at the safety factor I mean of course the left would say something like oh my gosh what kind of message would we tell the kids if we had armed security guards walking around the school yeah what kind of message would we say you have the right to protect yourself, and we as the grown-ups are going to protect you as well. It's an anti-state mm -hmm. of affair. You, in Israel, you go to Israel, you go to a grocery store, there's yeah. somebody walking around with a rifle, and, they get, and they're used to it. People are walking around because obviously um, the IDF and either – they have somewhat of a militia. Everybody knows how to shoot there. So that's just their way of life. They go, oh, good, somebody there – He's, he's a soldier. He's got uh, a gun, and you know the police need backup. Well, well real, real quick, Kelly. But a, a lot of people, because they feel like that's what kind of sets us. That's what. Well, and it's it's it's, it's changing. That's for certain. 
that's one of the things that people were thinking. That's one of the things that sets us apart from the rest of the world is that we don't have to have armed guns in our grocery stores and, and in our schools and things of that nature. But unfortunately, you know, things are changing. And, wow, just think about it. We are becoming like the rest of the world. What's next? Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, what's because next is, well. Because we're, we don't have, we're not a Christian nation anymore. Uh, the, those other nations that they have to do that with, they're they're not, they have never, that historically they haven't been Christian nations. And and so that's where we're at. You know, and you wonder about the kids' parents that, you know, the shooter. Um, where did his parents go wrong? Of course, there's hints of, of you know, if, if he was a Muslim. Or well, you know, radicalized. You, you know, he was an adopted child, and his mother died in November, right? Didn't know that. No, no, I, didn't, I didn't know hardly anything of the story. Yeah, uh, to be I, honest, I haven't really been paying attention. Yeah, he was an adopted child, and and although they do find some posting in different places concerning, you know that, but you know that goes all back to what was being said about the fact that we've taken biblicals away from uh, what we're teaching in school. But the, the real breakdown is men. Uh, men are no longer responsible for a two-family household. There's no longer a father figure at, at the, uh, in the families. Uh, we get into that uh, with our church all the time. It's called uh, uh, one man at a time and, and returning them back to the family. And that's what our whole church and, what our whole online school and everything is about is how do we get men back into the family and the home again? Uh, we are finding an increase in divorce. We're finding an increase of uh, children without two parents. In the state of Florida, we have the highest number of children on uh, welfare. Uh, in these counties of Florida, the uh, West Palm Beach, for an example, has the highest number of of homeless, the highest number of unemployment, the highest number of uh, children uh, living on the streets. Uh, this is just a common thing. You know, when when I was a kid and, you know, and didn't have a, a father figure or, you know, when I had two sisters commit suicide and you get into all that, the other side of the story is your neighbors were there, the community was there, people were there to help you and you had someone. So, Psychologically, you know, is the charter school system the way to go? Well, you know, Hillsdale is now forming a charter school system uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, well, guess what? So is the Chinese. The Chinese has the highest number of charter school systems in the state of Florida. Uh, wow. Common Core and elimination of a Common Core. We wrote uh, articles about the hybrid school system where you use the homeschooling with the internet and socialization in the public school system. And you got to get into the armed guards and, you know, all these factors that are not being even looked at, but I go right back, Robert, what we talked earlier. If we eliminate the federal government, we put it back in the authority here. The president of the United States is very concerned about what took place and he should be. But he cannot be responsible for the lack of protection by the governor of Florida 
of the public school system. That, that really is what it comes down to. Nor you know, can churches remove themselves from the fact that they're not uh, standing up and and protesting uh, the lack of teaching Christianity in the schools uh, because of the fact that they came out with this uh, churches are not allowed to complain, and they've allowed uh, these articles and acts to take place. So there's a lot going on to this. When you have a chance later, Robert, I really want to get into how this all ties back into the FBI, too. Oh, well, yeah, certainly. Uh, wow. yeah, we're, we that's, definitely that's have plenty of time. Well, you know, there's another factor, too, is was this kid on uh, psychotropic drugs? But I say psychotropic. No, I mean depression medications. Um, there's been... Alex Jones and others have have um, tied these shootings about every one of them. About every one of them, they are on these antidepressant medications. And uh, for for a while, my ex-wife and, and marriage, we were she was on some antidepressant, and she just got so crazy sometimes that I just like, no way I can take this personal. I'll just give her a big hug, and then she's okay. But it, it just these 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 I don't know what they do to the mind. Not good. Um, yeah, when we were kids, we, you know, when we were kids, we only had alcohol. We didn't have all the other stuff. So I hate to say there was a <laughs> lot of drunk kids back back when we were kids. But marijuana was not one of the primary elements. And today, you know, with the fact that they're making marijuana a legal substance and the impact it has, and people don't realize that if you open up the door of marijuana, you're opening the door from a lot of other drugs and medications and the antidepressants. We didn't have the treatment like that when we were kids. And today they, they're treating them falsely with drugs rather than proper school training and involvement in communities and all this stuff. You know, I'm the guy that went to jail or go to the Army at 17. You know, and and where would I have been? I had a cousin that spent 45 years in jail because he he didn't go in the wow. army, and I would have been in the same situation. So, you know, the I, the society didn't change that much. Uh, you know, single family homes. I was in those. You know, uh, he was in the same thing. Uh, when you when you look at the psychological impact, uh, you know, how do you handle that? Well, mine was. At 17, I went into the Army when the Army would allow you to go in as a high school dropout, that they actually uh, was able to train and, and reevaluate and put you in new positions. Could a young man at 19 then told the same thing I was told? You're going to spend two years in the military. Would that have changed the direction? And could have he had taken out his aggravation uh, in another manner, and psychologically, they I apprehended him at his own house. He didn't even put up a fight. This young kid, you know, nineteen years old. Um, yeah. Where were well, you at? It, I, you know. Yeah, I was in college, but you know, and, and what I wonder is if the state can adopt a protocol. Any state, please do. You know, because the kids, if the kids are taught, hey come to one of us teachers or the guidance counselor. I know a really good one named Kevin. He's in Sacramento. Um, and kids come to him a lot, an awful lot, because he's really approachable and accepting and people like him. He just, but if there is somebody that could come to an adult 
you know, a very approachable adult, very accepting adult. And then he makes a call, and the state protocol's there. Okay, we're going to have an armed security guard just for a few days or a week if necessary. You know, things are getting really hostile here or there. Just let the armed guard show up. Not all the time because that's too expensive. But if somebody shows up with a gun, a couple guys, for three or four days, and they go to the next school or the next school, I'll bet they'd be on call constantly going here, going there. But it would send a message to the kids, don't mess around. Don't mess around. Don't even think about coming back and killing people. And it would be a great deterrent. But there'd have to be some kind of state protocol. In um, California here, we have this some stupid law that if you live so close to a school, you can't get a gun. <laughs> I mean, it's not just school grounds. It's just, you know, like 300 or 500 feet away or something like that. Like, what the heck's that going to matter? Somebody can come out from miles away and do his thing. It's just Some of these stupid laws are just, well, they just don't work. But it's just, you know, this this is not acceptable. Yes, we might be getting used to it, but it's just not acceptable. And something has got to change at a legislative level. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas is the first one that comes out with it. Um, armed security guards on call just show up for a few days or even a few hours because the kids are concerned. The kids are concerned, hey, yeah, this kid, he's he's gone crazy. And, and with enough training, if you will, um, one kid could say, hey, you know, he's a friend, he's struggling, but I'm concerned he's going to have a gun. He's going to bring a gun tomorrow. And and boom, you get uh, you get that guy out there. Of course, the kid that rats out on him, he's gonna be facing some troubles. I mean, it's it's really complicated situation. But if I I'm, I'm just there are more kids that are going to die. I mean, I'm thinking about my my kids. My one's a senior, you know, she'll go to college next year. But you know, my son, he's twelve. I'm just like, gosh, I mean, it's really kind of kind of riches on my heart here because how do we protect our kids in the public schools we can't just sit idly by and do nothing with technology today though what really gets me is you can take a walmart store that has guards that actually have guns that you don't even know about and they have surveillance cameras and they have all these other things protecting as they do in most department stores now and other facilities but yet in our school system, which is supposed to be te- teaching technology, they're not putting up the cameras. Somebody should have been able to see someone coming up or approaching. Someone should have been aware of that individual. So why isn't the schools having the cameras for protection? My biggest concern, and I go back to this again, I'm concerned about ISIS and Islam. I'm concerned about what's happening with what's happening overseas and how that's going to spill over from the news media broadcasting what took place today and how simple this was that this is going to be a reoccurring from aggressive terrorism. So I'm seeing this. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you make a good point about Walmart and uh, 
you know, Kmart, not Mac, well, Kmart and, and uh, Biggs and things of that nature. My brother and I, uh, that you know, back uh, years ago before uh, we had a small uh, landscaping home modeling business, is that, you know, we worked for a, a grocery chain called Biggs. Uh, some might know it as Remke's or what have you. Um, but they had what a lot of places have is loss prevention. And you have cameras going, you know, and I don't want to be too big brother, too big brotherish, but you have cameras that are, you know, in the store to pick up shoplifters. And you had cameras outside to follow the, the, the shop. Cause if you don't get a shoplifter and, you know, while they're in the store, you could also, you could try to get their license plate, you know, out in the parking lot. But, so these technologies exist. Yeah, they, they cost money, and I'm not saying you need to have uh, a camera in every in every room, you know, uh, of a you know the school. But perhaps they have cameras on the outside, where, as you said, you could. I mean, and here's the thing: you want to create jobs. Here you go, create a job. I mean, you people they weren't making that much money. You sit on your butt, you watch a camera, you make ten bucks an hour. Okay, you don't make. You know, it's not a lot of money. But you're sitting on your butt watching a camera. It doesn't require somebody who, you know, to make a lot of money. It could be something. It could be someone who's working part time. They just want to work part time. Let's say if there's somebody who just wants to have, you know, a one night a week, you know, or a one day a week job or something. They make a little extra money here on the side, you know, where that they could pay, you know, they can, you pay to watch the cameras. Uh, there you go. There's more. There's more employment. And so, you know, you, you've got these different things that you can do. Um, yeah, it's going to take – and here's the thing. We hear about Trump, and that, which I'm going to digress just a little bit, and then we're going to bring uh, Joseph back in. But, you know, you hear – I seen something funny the other day uh, about how the Democrats are freaking out about the one tr- – and I, I don't like the, all the deficit spending – so let me just put that as a disclaimer, you know, with the new budget bill, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you know, you've got them complaining about the one trillion that Obama's talking about, you know, with, uh, you know, with infrastructure. And then, of course, you know, when Obama was doing it, there was not a peep out of the Democrats in the media. But anyway, is that, you know, Trump's talking about, hey, let's spend all this money on infrastructure. There you go. If you want to talk about where you're going to allocate this money, where you're going to get this uh, to, to build this infrastructure in order to create jobs, there you go. Part of the infrastructure could be, hey, let's put these security systems in these schools. Let's put these uh, loss prevention. When we mean loss prevention, let's be honest. We're talking about the the, the biggest kind of loss. It's it's loss prevention. We're not we're going to try to keep from losing our kids. Excuse me, I'm kind of getting there for a minute, but I guess I went back to puberty. But anyway, is that. There's your infrastructure. There's your job creation. Are they the big, you know, paying job, you know, high-paying jobs? No. But let me tell you something. If I had an opportunity to work one night or maybe an extra time uh, during a day to watch uh, that, make a little extra money, shoot, why not? A lot of folks would probably want to do that, you know. And so there you go. You, you created jobs. You built you, know, you put, built something in infrastructure. It's going to take people who know how to put in the camera system. There's jobs and installation, construction. You know, there's more jobs right there. So put, you know, there's where you can allocate some of your money. You know, if you want to be spending all this trillion of dollars, use it to protect our, you know, protect our our kids. You know, and and it's creating jobs. But let's go ahead and you know, well, uh, let's go ahead 
And I'm going to bring it back to you, uh, Joseph, and then John. I've seen you just push the one on your number dial. We'll get you in, but I did say I was going to bring Joseph back into the conversation. So let's go ahead and bring it back in. Thank you, Joseph. And, of course, we're going to bring things back around, and, and we are going to get uh, your tie-in, Dr. Tolbert, with uh, the IRS, because I certainly want to get there. Uh, we got plenty of time. we got more than two hours. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Uh, yes. Uh, I just wanted to bring up um, – one more valid point about uh, the shooting and then when it's my turn again, go to a different topic, of course. Um, I I hear what everyone uh, has said. You know, Dr. Tolbert always brings up great points. Kelly, I definitely understand about the charter school system. I coming from uh, New York originally, we also have the charter schools, but the problem with the charter schools is they're very selective very hard for students to get in um, and they're not enough to go around or not many uh, public school educational systems are participating in the vouchers program. So, um, you know, Cindy brought up a point um, and Dr. Tobo brought up a point uh, about us not being a Christian nation. Now, um, I do think that a lot of the, the the problems that are occurring in today's society, why this generation is so out of sync, is due to the deterioration of family values. But I don't, and I'm saying this from a spiritual standpoint, I don't believe it's because we're not a Christian nation. We've always been a tolerant nation. We've always been a nation that has been tolerant of other religions and and other customs and and, and other uh, cultures. And our constitution does say, you know, um, you know, um, constitution does uh, clearly state separation of church and state. Um, The public school education system used to uh, be an excellent educational Red flag, red flag. I will give you a hundred dollars if you can show me in the First Amendment that exact phrase separation of church and state. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson actually made that statement while he was doing a Baptist meeting and he said, I'm glad that we have a separation of church and state and in fact it does not say it in the Constitution. It actually says that the government will not do anything against religions, but the religions have the right to do and say what they want. And Jefferson, giving a statement, was made a quote, and then what happened is the Supreme Court and everybody else played off of Jefferson's comment rather than the fact it was a constitutional thing. And that brought in to the fact that the IRS and how they did the 501c3s and how they prevented the uh, the churches from making comments in political parties. But I think what he was trying to get to is that it's simply that we are not having anymore our Christian religion make any comments and we're being held back by the government now where we as Christians are not given the same rights as other religions in America. Well, there's more to it than that. It's, and I agree with you. Um, but 
that whole phrase, separation of church and state, came about because of um, it's it's the Danbury Baptist Church. Some lady wrote and said, "Hey, um, we want to know, Mr. Jefferson, if the federal government can fund our church." And Jefferson said, "No way, no how, not in this lifetime." And I agree with Jefferson's opinion because if you study the history of England, you had Bloody Mary. Who's Bloody Mary? Killed a bunch of Christians. It's a drink. It's a really good drink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) and we are going to get started too. But go ahead. Yeah, as well as the uh, Black Russian or the White Russian drink, but then you'd be in collusion with the Russians. But um, yeah, he's yeah. So she says, hey, can the federal government fund our church? He's like, no way, no how, not in this lifetime. We have created a wall, a separation of church and state. The reason why is because the Church of England was funded by the state. And all sorts of evil occurred, and even sloppy laziness from their clergy um, or their vicars, whatever, because... You know, the Catholic Church was running England for a heck of a long time. That's why the pilgrims came over here. Um, Dictionary was written in 1604, King James Bible, 1610. And they're like, what? You You mean the state that's paying the church? They're telling us a bunch of lies? We're out of here. We're going across the ocean. And so there was terrible, terrible problems in England when the state was funding churches. And so that's why, and, and the First Amendment is, um, look, we're not going to establish a religion, nor are we going to prevent the free practice of a religion. And the founders got it right. I mean, what if the Baptists won? I mean, oh my gosh, why don't, why don't uh, Baptists believe in premarital sex? Well, because it leads to dancing. Goodness. <laughs> it's a joke. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, what if the Methodists won? What if the Lutherans won? What if the Catholics won? It's like, no, 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 no. Don't fund anybody because of the history of England and the abuse from the state-funded church. It is so fundamental to our freedoms. So they don't restrict the practice, nor do they endorse it. And that's been such a perversion, the separation of church and state. That's a perversion. It was never in the First Amendment. So, and, and in fact, it was, you know, it was um, when when they reversed, when they got, got out of the schools, we had a long history of the Supreme Court saying, hey, yeah, that's fine. You want to talk about Christianity and even use the Bible as a textbook. Endless case law where the Supreme Court justices say, hey, that's fine. Sure, go ahead. But when FDR's Supreme Court uh, did this, and um, Eisenhower was guilty as well as far as putting a uh, justice there that made this ruling, they went completely against case law and and passed precedents. They went out on a new tangent, all of their own, and the Supreme Court said, well, can't talk about God anymore in schools. They, they went on their absolute – in FDR, I'm sorry, he was a globalist socialist. 
you know, I, I'm not a fan of FDR. Um, but he stacked the deck, and that's what we have now. So that's that's a short history, and it's it's you know, 50s and 60s. What did you have? You know, most offenses were people speaking up without raising their hands. There was chewing gum in class. I mean, piddly little things. <clears throat> but ever since then, the stats have been horrifying. And here we are. Well, Rob. Hello? Yeah, uh, if I may. Um, I do understand that this is a, uh, a sensitive topic, and but nonetheless, I, I wanted to give uh, Dr. Tolbert and uh, Kelly the floor um, because uh, I was trying to uh, finish what I was going to say, and I, I think that was misinterpreted because I... I didn't go into details about whether it was pertaining to the First or Second or Third Amendment. Uh, that's not what I was even going to finish saying. What I was going to say was that, um, and uh, I did make a mistake on, on in that regard, um, and I thank you for correcting me because it's, it's always good to know, but it is uh, easy to, to confuse it. But I wasn't going to say that it was associated with the First Amendment. I was going to what I was going to say was that it was derived from the constitution uh in respect to um uh the uh the first amendment or the establishment clause in free exercise but you're right um I was wrong on that one but the the bigger point I'm trying to make is okay I understand the argument of um you know, you have those who want us to be a Christian nation, those who don't. Um, you know, I mean, religion is a very complex to begin with, and so is politics. And um, I'm going to tell you what I what I think is the real um, problem here, uh, from my perspective. Um, and I don't, and I honestly don't think it's. Uh, because Christianity is not practiced in schools anymore. Uh, I honestly think it, it, it's the decline of the healthcare system. Um, you have a lot of people who uh, suffer from uh, mental illnesses. I, for one, live in Hawaii, which, for a very small state, has the third largest homeless population in the nation, which is. Uh, a pretty daunting statistic. Uh, and a lot of the homeless out here have mental health problems. And there are a lot of doctor shortages. And the healthcare system has significantly declined over the past 30 and 40 years. And uh, a lot of doctors are in the business of making money or have been making money off of making patients sick or giving them diagnoses that are not true diagnoses so that they can, uh, you know, over-medicate them on psychotropic drugs. Um, I do believe, though, that the deterioration of family values has significantly contributed to uh, a lot of children being born out of wedlock, yes. Um, a lot of single fathers or mothers, yes. Uh, but I don't think that... Um, I don't think if we had God today in our schools, I don't think that's going to stop 
a crazy person or an evil person with e- with intent uh, from trying to kill somebody. I honestly believe as a spiritual person that evil has existed since the beginning of time, since God created the earth. Evil has always existed, and there will always be evil entities. And when evil wants to commit an egregious act, evil is going to commit an egregious act whether God is there or God is not there. Uh, that is what I truly believe. It's an opinion. It's a spiritual opinion. But what is a statistical opinion is that we as a nation spend the most money uh, than any other country in our educational system, in our healthcare system, and yet we have one of the poorest results compared to other countries. Uh, I do believe that the decline in the family values and the healthcare system and a lot of homeless people that are, you know, is suffering from mental illnesses that are not being treated um, are a lot of factors for many of the things that are plaguing our country. And so if I were to make a list, there's about a, a hundred things I could say right now that is wrong with our country. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to prioritize which one should be tackled, but the problem is our elected officials in Washington can't even tackle one issue. And that's why our country is, is plagued with so many issues is because our politicians can't even agree on one issue to tackle. And to, <laughs> that's and to true. So, you know, believe me, you know, when a, when a tragedy like this happens, yeah, it changes the subject of the conversation and it opens up the door to a different dialogue. Uh, because prior to the shooting happening, you know, yesterday, Robert, you posted the show, and this definitely was not on the agenda because this didn't happen. But I honestly think that before we can fix all these problems that are occurring, we've got to at least tackle one problem. And the scary part is our politicians can't even do that at the federal level. And I think that is a systemic problem. Uh, that is metastasizing like a cancer. So instead of killing the cancer at its root, our officials are letting the cancer that is plaguing our country just metastasize for failing to tackle, uh, you know, uh, important issues, uh, not being able to compromise. And uh, that is the, the bigger picture, in my opinion. Well, real quick, let's. I, I promised John I'd, I'd be able to bring him in, and we'll, we got this again. We have plenty of time, so let's go ahead and, and bring John in, and then we'll. Uh, I know we you want to link some things in uh, with the FBI, so we got plenty of time here. And I want to welcome in our chat here. Uh, bring it, boy. Okay, first time I've seen you here. Uh, welcome. Uh, you're welcome to also give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. And welcome, Flycatch, as well. We've uh, seen you on uh, a number of occasions in the chat. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to chime in uh, on the call, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Um, now, one of the things, uh, bring it, boy, and I thought maybe you guys can make mention of this uh, when we bring things back around. So you had a question we was talking about, and I don't know quite what reference because I missed what, you know, what he said and when he said it, or not what he said, but when he said it. 
says, is that in the organic constitution or the 1865 constitution? So maybe a couple of you guys can uh, answer to that. Uh, maybe the differentiate between those two, but first let's go ahead and bring it over to you, John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Uh, very stimulative conversation. I appreciate everybody bringing their different perspectives to bear on this situation because definitely we're all in this together, and it's going to take all of us to figure out how to work together and unify to make it work. And I just wanted to reflect, you know, a lot of these times, many of these mass shootings or even individual shootings or whatnot happen, and the shooter ends up dead, and we don't end up having an opportunity to try to do not more gathering of intelligence. Do what? I just said not this time. They got the SOB this time. Yeah, well, what, that's my point is that at least this gentleman is alive, so he has hopefully an opportunity to get his life on track from here on out and will hopefully be able to find out more of the motive or what developed in his life that created a person like this. Because to me, it's almost weird that the majority of the masses automatically assume that they are normal and that they had nothing to do with creating this. When the truth of the matter of it is, is we have a whole lot of us that are so self-centered and so... um, ambitious in our own making that we run roughshod over our fellow man all the time and if i understand what you guys have shared on this call earlier and what dr tolbert was referring to this man was uh, adopted or whatnot and had struggles throughout school life or whatnot then apparently he was a unique person but if he's being treated like what they consider should be normal and he doesn't fit in so now he feels pressured to go to this extreme, and this is the culture that developed those kind of people. I mean, that's scary to me. And I'm glad that we're going to have a chance to talk to this gentleman and find out more about society and what makes certain people tick and why a young kid can grow up. I mean, this guy is still a young kid. I mean, 19. And depending on his upbringing, if he didn't have a loving, nurturing father and mother that actually, you know, there's parents that passively just let their kid grow up. Just because you're a sperm donor or egg donor does not make you a parent. And just because you provide them a place to sleep and, you know, a shelter for them to live in doesn't mean that you're actually training them up to be able to be a positive contributing member of society. And so when they're left to their own devices, because I I did my job as a parent, I gave them a place to sleep and gave them feed, you know, place to, uh, I mean, for food in their mouth and just got them through school and stuff, just automatically assume that that cold-hearted nature makes the person alive. The spirit of the man can be killed, and he's actually just a walking zombie. So, therefore, you can't expect humanity to produce loving, caring individuals if we turn a blind eye to that and automatically say, oh, well, this guy's just evil and he was born that way and, you know, we don't have any responsibility in this. So I'm interested in finding out more about are we going to be able to hear his side of the issue? And, you know, he may be so um, un 
I don't even know what the right word is. In other words, he may not even understand in his own mind how to communicate effectively to the rest of us if we had quit, were able to interview him. So even if we do get to hear his side of the issues of his life and what came up and what pushed him to feel he had to go to this extreme, then he may not understand how to communicate it. But at the same time, what you guys were talking well, I'll about. Well, I tell you what, I'm real, real quick, and well, he, he, that, 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 since they captured that guy, of course there's going to be a trial. Of course there's going to be. Think about it though, real quick, and and, uh, and I'll let you finish. Is that he killed 17 kids, 17 families. I'm going to tell you this: he will be lucky if he can get out of court alive, because it would not surprise me whatsoever. Especially if one of those kids was someone's only child, I'm telling you, someone in their mind may be well for, uh, formatting in their mind right now how to take him out. He may be lucky to get his story out because I, I could see some one of those parents thinking right now, okay, if there's not going to be justice or I'm going to put justice in my own hands, I'm taking this guy out. He may not get the chance to get his story out. He, he, he tell you what, you kill 17 kids. That's the worst thing you could – I mean, everyone is everyone's kid. But when you kill uh, kids, young kids, high school kids, things of that nature, man, let me tell you something. You're, gonna, you're pissing some people off. Oh, my God. And, you know, and if they're like – especially if it's like an only child or something, and you pretty much took that parent's future away from them, let me tell you something. And that guy, he, they better put a bulletproof vest on him. Actually, I hope they don't. Um, but anyway, uh, go ahead. He, he'd be lucky to tell a story because with what he did. Go ahead. You're you're absolutely right, and that is a very important point. And that's why it goes to say that for him to do what he did, he probably expected to be killed anyway. And the, his point, it's I don't true. know. This is this is all analytical you know, perspectives. We're just analyzing the information that we understand based on our own experience or or knowledge or wisdom or, you know, what we've observed throughout our lifetime, and we're trying to make sense of all this stuff. I'm just hoping that we can actually learn something from all this and whatnot because it, just as you're talking about from the standpoint there, you know, possibly people want to kill him bodily, but apparently somebody killed him spiritually a long time ago, and he felt life wasn't worth living, and he's been struggling with it for a long time. And we got a lot of other Americans that are zombies like that running around in America, and we have some in Congress that don't that are calloused-hearted like that too, and they don't mind running roughshod over their fellow man with rules, laws, processes, and procedures. Now, the other aspect of it I was wanting to share too is what you guys were talking about from the technological impact of what's going on with all these cameras and stuff. Well, you know, the points you guys were breaking up were great. If you want to put, you know, cameras in these grocery stores and be like uh, Israel with uh, basically a police state lockdown type situation, well, mafia, ISIS, you know, the nefarious actors love that too because they know how to hack these systems. So then they can go out and pick some little foe and say, okay, we need you to go do our business and we're going to be watching you because we're going to actually tap into all these resources around the Metroplex and make sure you're doing it. That way you can't come back to us after we've told you to go do something and you say you did it when we can follow you and know that you didn't do it. So, or NS-13, I mean, believe it, this technology hackers, um, these 
computer geniuses, computer engineers. They don't have to be eloquent speakers, but they are going to rule the world in a very big way, and they're already doing it now. And that's why Google and, and um, Microsoft and whatnot have so much power over us now, and they're just colluding with the government to convince the government to continue to pay their way so they can sell to the government, make big money. It's just like the military does the same thing. And the contractors that are involved in that, they just want to use the government to continue to milk the system so they can continue to be multi-millionaires. But take that all with a grain of salt. This is just an analytical perspective of, of different observations. There are some good actors out there, and I'm counting on the good actors to help us work through this stuff, but we got to be mindful of what goes on in a lot of these people in these high office positions, whether it be CIA, FBI, Secret Service, or whoever, NSA, they're nefarious peoples that work inside those groups too because the communists, the socialists, the fascists, and the Marxists have infiltrated our government in every aspect of our society, and they're trying to win their you know, power class of civilizations to put everything on track the way they want it. And we're all fighting to find out who's the real American. Well, and then we'll go ahead and, and bring in uh, Susan real quick. Not Susan. Sorry, uh, uh, Cindy. We'll bring Susan back in, and then we'll bring it over to you, Dr. Trump, if you got some points. And I do see some folks out there uh, in the chat and others. Uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and uh, we'll get you into the show. Uh, go ahead, Cindy. Well, I, I don't I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it because um my my viewpoint is very simple and um I think that in the long run we'll find out that I'm right. Um we have a serious lack of morals because and, and people degenerating into um no conscience at all. They've seared their consciences um and they haven't been taught that they need a conscience. Um, they have they they're not being held accountable for anything they do wrong, and it's like even you guys on this conservative pro- program are talking about you know well the guy came from this and that and he had this bad thing happen to him and he had that bad thing happen to him, and and you know the thing is there's people who have had worse things happen and they're still normal people. Uh, you make bad decisions and. Um, you know, this is what happens. And um, you, you you raise generation after generation of children, no belief in God, no belief in, in any kind of real accountability. And um, this is what you get. That's all there is to it. And Dr. Tolbert, you know, that would be a good time uh, to link things in. We were talking about the FBI, which, is, of course, is also part uh, of our discussion uh, tonight. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to bring everybody back into one point, is that if you don't correct one part of the government, you cannot correct the other part of the governments. And we just wrote a four-page memo to the president, which is going out uh, tomorrow and it will not be posted, Uh, and I'm going to just give you the highlights of it. But it's concerning Homeland Security, the uh, CIA, and the FBI, and the violation of the Constitution 
by the Department of the FBI taking responsibilities of Supreme Court rules and taking the power away from the executive branch. And we go back into the fact of closing the three branches or the three departments and bringing it under one department and then supporting the sovereign states. So in the article, we're actually showing the president how he needs to take charge of his responsibility by giving him the constitutionality of a sovereign state, how the FBI was formulated by the Pinkerton detectives as a private institution, how it became and where it was supposed to be doing uh, strictly on the basis of crimes, how they ended up with 200 other responsibilities violating the Constitution and showing that there is a need to take and relook at the entire program of the FBI and how they worked with the Clintons and other groups of individuals and the probability that the involvement of conflicts of 9-11, Pearl Harbor, uh, the assassination of Kennedy and other individuals. So you, you take and look at this department who's breached the state and sovereign states, and that's what the FBI has, in fact, done. Now you get back into your comments about everything else you're talking about, common core, education, uh, the psychological need, the training, the lack of training, the um, guys that are coming out of the military that are unemployed, that cannot get jobs. Uh, all this comes back into the fact that you got to give the states the responsibility and although the president may have a p- opinion about the tragedy, you cannot ask the federal government to provide security of a system that belongs to the state under sovereign states. You have to close down the Department of Education. You have to get the FBI's out of the states and only brought in upon the request or the need of the states And you have to get back into the security of the state by the state, and you have to go into, and this is all fitting into this letter that we're sending out. Now, we did, and we are putting out a complete binder of 66 pages to include a 15-page article on Common Core, not counting the 66 pages that we're putting out. So when we get into that Texas did away first with all their books on Christianity, when you get into the original 13 colonies were founded on Christian doctrine, when you get into Harvard, Yale used to be Christian schools, when you get into the fact that we don't have any home life anymore with two family, uh, the two-parent family, it all ties together, the Christianity the lack of sovereign state, the Civil War was started. Uh, people think slavery. It wasn't. It was because of the what the federal government has done against our states. So everything that's happening in your school system is being controlled by Bill Gates, George Sawyers, uh, GE, uh, and other groups of individuals that are trying to take you into a one-world power. If I can destroy your home life, if I can destroy your family, if I can take 
Christianity out of your schools, if I can formulate a government that is being controlled in Washington and not by the states as what the executives of a state is supposed to be doing, then I'm going to cause the problem you saw. I can take you to a childhood events that there were probably that same psychological issue that I could have faced. And yet, you know, I had an opportunity to take another route. We don't have the draft anymore. We're not training our young men anymore. Uh, We're not doing anything to enhance. So we have to take one department and I'm going after the FBI. People think that's really crazy, uh, but I'm going after the FBI, Homeland Security. I'm going after the CIA for its violation. Uh, My memos are going to go to the president. Uh, uh, I'm certain that there will be some interesting uh, outcome of what will be done next. Uh, We're seeing John Kelly uh, covering up. Uh, They're now saying he did not know things that were happening on one of the people that I think his name was Porter that had problems, but now You know, he admitted he had it. Now he's saying, I don't have it. We're seeing where the FBI is covering up all the issues of of different things. It's all related. So everything that's being said tonight, you got to go back to the federal government has collapsed. They are no longer fulfilling the 1718 rights that they have. You have to close down every department other than those 17, and there are some people on the Constitutional Party who would argue they're 18, uh, rights that the federal government has. All other rights belong under the Tenth Amendment. Education has to get back to the home. It has to get back to the family. It has to get back to the two-parent family. It has to get back to Christian viewpoints being brought. Ninety-some percent of America believe in God. We used to be at 68 to 90 percent, 68 to 72 percent that were actual Christians in America. We don't have that anymore. We've lost all establishment in our beliefs throughout, and people can write papers. You can pull up 50, 60 different notations and find that everything we're doing today is totally out of the Constitution. It's totally not correct and Uh, Let's take your charter schools, for an example, that are not allowed to have food vouchers, and yet there are homeowners that are sending their kids to school that are paying taxes through their home association, but they're being deprived of their rights under a charter school system because they don't want the problem of a public school system. Another violation uh, of where that they don't have their constitutional rights because the public school system is concerned about losing money. Uh, You know, I have a doctorate degree in education, and I dealt with a lot of teachers through my master's degree and my doctorate degree in school systems. And I find that the teachers today have a totally different conception what it means. They go to church on Sunday, but they don't want to talk about God on Monday because they don't want to get fired. All these factors are played into a system that is destroying America. And somebody, whether it's me or you, has to take an action and do something. Uh, Our action now is a memo to the president. Uh, 
with along with a 66 page we're going to 100 countries in a very short period of time in universities laying out the procedures of proper ethical behavior that will establish a peaceful surroundings now people would ask you why would you go to all the countries and not just in america well we're going to the major universities in america but if we can teach other countries the standards that we believe established america and get back to that same standard we can then bring society back where it belongs so fbi CIA, Homeland Security is unconstitutional. It has to be put back under the president. Congress has no authority over it. Neither does the Supreme Court. That's where I'm at there, uh, Robert. Okay, and I appreciate it. Um, and, yeah, definitely a lot. Uh, and I want to welcome uh, I Am The Universe, uh, as an I, or E-Y-E, Am The Universe, um, and mentioning saying something about uh, the Manchurian candidate or the M culture, maybe that's what. And also, so G O D does not near the USA. Uh, and you're welcome to uh, give us a call uh, at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Push the one on your number dial and get into the show. So um, we're about halfway through here uh, this evening. Uh, and one of the things I want to talk about is for us to uh, look forward to, and then we can maybe talk about uh, uh, some interesting things. I know you and I talked about, uh, you know, the different wars uh, that were fought in the name of uh, love and religion. I do have uh, a post on the Bard's Logic Political Talk page there on Facebook. Uh, you can just go in your search engine and find the sh- show there and, and like the page. I'd really appreciate it. But also uh, our World War One. some were contending – uh, that there's a guy there, we can bring that up. Uh, you know, actually, his love for uh, a woman uh, actually helped to start World War One, and of course, all the different religious wars and things of that nature. Uh, but there's a Wikipedia link there uh, on the Bars Logic Cloak Talk page uh, on that. But anyway, uh, we'll get to those. But first, I want to give a kind of a sneak preview of some of our upcoming guests, because uh, you know, the 2018 primary election season is is well on their way um, now, whereas I'm still trying to get some local people who are dragging their heels. We do have some folks who are in uh, the primary Senate race uh, that we've uh, got to come on to the show. You know, you said they're coming on uh, next week, uh, the 21st of uh, February. We will have uh, Nebraska, which is going to be interesting because uh, I was in just Nebraska that last sum- uh, summer. Nebraska uh, Republican Senate candidate Jack Heidel. Uh, will be on the show, and then following that, there will be Texas uh, American Citizen Party Senate candidate Bob McNeil, and so uh, we'll have them on uh, to talk about, of course, their uh, campaigns, why they're running, uh, how's it looking being a a grassroots candidate, because they're not incumbents, and of course, that's what we're focusing on here, at least on Bard's logic, is uh, getting the voice out of the, you know, grassroots uh, non-incumbent candidates, and, and not even just non-incumbents, but those who have not really held uh, a political position before. I mean, there are other candidates who aren't the incumbents that are running in the primaries. However, you know, they've they've already been like U.S. representatives or something like that, and they're, you know, let's be honest, or look at their advanced their political careers uh, by going from, you know, let's take a, a state uh, or a house seat 
uh, into the Senate. And so, of course, what we would like to see, at least I would, and I think a lot of folks listening to the show and our guests here would would like to see more folks like uh, our two guests come on, uh, get their seats. Uh, and also we're going to have uh, – I don't have it scheduled yet, but I'm going to talk to someone tomorrow. Um, and let me get my chat uh, – from him up as he met he mentioned something and you may be familiar with this uh joseph and of course others here uh is that uh the blue wave that some are fearing uh that is kind of coming our way uh and what they mean by that is uh by those a short chat with uh, jesse phillips who is a state uh committeeman uh there in florida i believe i think there was uh and you might be able to speak to that, you too, Dr. Colbert. I think there was uh, they had a special election where the Dem- uh, Democrat uh, beat, uh, you know, one of the Republicans there. And, you know, there's kind of a concern that there may be a blue wave uh, coming. And, of course, with Roy Moore, uh, unfortunately, being defeated. And then uh looks like this guy in Florida, and perhaps, as I said, uh, you know, Cindy or Dr. Colbert, you may name you know, may know more about it. Um, but we're going to be talking about, you know, that blue wave and perhaps how we can uh, keep that from happening because, of course, the Democrats get in and take over the House or even the Senate. Uh, none of what Trump's going to want to do is going to get done. And, and also, and, you know, I'm not a registered Republican or anything of that nature. Um, however, we are, uh, you know, they are going to start saying, and unfortunately, I agree uh, that they're going to need uh, they're going to need 60 guys and gals in the in the Senate. The Republicans are going to need it, or it's not quite Republicans. At least people who are on board with what Trump uh, Trump's agenda is. And so you know, because we're hearing all these other votes coming up that all oh, need 60 votes, all oh, need 60 votes. Well, and you know, in the Senate, and you know, unfortunately, I think uh, I'm surprised we haven't heard that yet. Already, I really have it, but I think the closer we get to uh, the election in November, probably starting in August, we'll start really hearing that uh, clarion call uh, to uh, we need 60, we need 60 in the Senate. Of course, if we get 60 in the Senate, but those others to, to you know really tip the balance are moderate Republicans. It doesn't matter anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's kind of our what well, we got our upcoming in the next couple two three weeks. After tonight's show, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, there's another thing uh, that he's been working on. I uh, was speaking with um, uh, Heidel. Um, yeah, was it Heidel? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh my gosh, man, I'm having a brain freeze here. McNeil. I was actually speaking with McNeil last night uh, on the phone, and he's got some other interesting topics other than his campaign uh, that we'll talk about. But one, one of the things, though, is uh, and we, you, you said this could be part of uh, our, our conversation, Doctor Tolbert, is uh, the different wars. And as I said, you can find a link to uh, you know different quote unquote religious wars uh, that's been caused by religion. Uh, you know, what we, and then of course you just need, you, know, you, you may want to, to chime in on that as well because we, you and I had a conversation offline, uh, you know, or off the air, I should say about you know. People talk about, of course, the bad things that that religion is brought uh, brought upon, but also the good as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's been an, um, you know, World War One, as I mentioned earlier. That was more on love than religion. But of course, we had uh, others uh, such as the Crusades. And actually, the, on that link, it mentions uh, has a whole list 
of the different uh uh you know the different conflicts and things of that nature that at least were motivated uh by religion and uh and even uh you know love since today's Valentine's Day so we kinda uh, can focus on that. But uh Doctor Tolbert, did you want to uh chime in on you know or elaborate any of that of part of our conversation we had the other night? You know, what we texting were, rather. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we were texting about did in fact the uh, uh, wars ever caused by a person loving another person, and there was a war a conflict due to that. And we get into that in the days of the Old Testament that a person from one kingdom married a person from another kingdom in order to prevent the wars. And then the question was, well, did a war actually start because of it? And I couldn't find a lot of information that wars were started, but in fact, wars were not started by a man and a woman from two different countries getting together. So that in itself opened up the door of where is Valentine's Day and how does you know this show all get into, and how do we prevent the war between the nations? Uh, we're seeing that the uh, kings and queens of England are marrying people outside of uh, their own country, and how that prevented uh, some of the conflicts. And so uh, we look at um, Solomon uh, and how he married outside and how God was upset with it and how that prevented those two countries from going to war. Uh, so there's been a prevention of war because of love, but not a cause of war because of love. And I thought that where your conversation was going on Valentine's day, uh, can we get uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton to leave Mr. Clinton and marry the <laughs> president of North Korea? And uh, would that, in fact, solve our problems in America? I think that in itself would fix the problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, well, one of the things, uh, of course, I'm sure you heard about the media's big hoopla about his daughter. Was it was, uh, his daughter that you know they're getting all googly-eyed over or something or saying, oh, she's – her her diplomacy, blah, 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 I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, on that. But no, it's some interesting things about um, what else I talked about earlier uh, about hey, Robert, wars is I do have an – go ahead. Hey, Sonia. Robert, can I say something about that, that you just mentioned, that Korean lady? Um, I, I oh, loved, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, I loved um, Hannity's um, comments on that situation. He was uh, – he was very distressed that she was getting all the media attention and she didn't even really do anything. And it was just everybody saying, well, she has such a nice smile. And the, the, the Koreans are getting together and working together at the Olympics. And, and, um, and then he said, well, let's look at it this way. Um, that guy's responsible for about 400,000 deaths uh, of starvation, um, but she has a nice smile. Responsible for um, hundred and something thousand people dying in his prison camps because 
they might be Christians or some other religion or um, argued with the government for some reason. And so they died. But she has a nice smile. His people are uh, malnourished to the point where they're shorter than any of the southern South Korean people. Um, but she has a nice smile. And, and he was going on and on about, you know, he, he fires missiles uh, over our, our allies, but she has a nice smile. And he uh, threatens to attack our soil in, Gu- in Guam, but she has a nice smile. And, you know, and I, I just thought that was really um, appropriate because the, the news media, in all its uh, liberal glory, um, is just making such a fuss over her. And 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 it's just simply because, you know, our news media has turned communist, basically. I mean, you really can't look at it any other way. Um, what they advocate in the way that they um, present news and the news that they leave out, um, it's obvious that they are... Uh, advocating socialism, communism, however you want to put it. And um I I'm I'm appalled that um South Korea even allowed them to come there after they had all the saber rattling of that man. I don't know how mm-hmm. uh she could even be allowed to come here. Um you know, it, it Russia uh, dopes their athletes and they're not allowed to come. But that guy can come when he's threatening people with his nuclear weapons. You know, it <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense at all. Okay, so and I am sick to death of how politics keeps entering into the Olympics. Um, uh, and and it's because of the news media that that happens. It it this crap, this political crap, would not go anywhere if it wasn't for the news media allowing it to and forcing it to. So I'm, I'm sick to death of the media and, and they're ruining our Olympics um, because they're making a big political scene out of it. And, um, I, I, you know, it, back when Russia, I had a friend that was a gymnast, Kurt Thomas, and um, he, he was supposed to go to the Olympics. He was on the team. He was supposed to go to the Olympics the year that they were in Russia uh, I guess that was back in the 80s. And um, <clears throat> and then he didn't get to go because, um, you know, we boycotted the Olympics because of Russia. Um, I just, I don't think, I don't think that that's the place to pull in politics. I, I, don't, I really don't. Because it's, Oh, well, it's, you know what's funny? God, who was that? Oh, darn it. I wish I would have remembered. Um Oh, but they, oh yeah, they were talking. Oh gosh, that's, I can't remember who said it, but I think it was on. Um, oh, who's that redhead on the View? Oh, what is her name? Joy Behar. Oh, she's such Joy a, Behar. Oh yeah, Joy Behar. What a hypocritical, whatever. I think it was her. But basically, you know how Pence would just sat down and didn't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And what I don't get is that. Um, so she was saying, oh, well, the, the Olympics isn't a place to protest or, or something like that, talk about Pence. 
I'm paraphrasing me. I should look it up, but and I'm like, you freaking hypocrite! Are you kidding what me? A hypocrite. What hypocrite! You, you, yeah. You're the you're probably the first one, of the first people to stand behind these football players, and you want to talk yeah. about, oh well, you know, you're politicizing the or something like that. Exactly. I mean, has anyone else seen that? Uh, anybody could speak exactly. right up if they've seen it. The hypocrisy isn't the hypocrisy just beyond understanding. I mean, it's beyond. I mean, they don't, it's, it's bold face right in your face too. It's like, they don't care that you know it's hypocrisy. They know it, you know it, and they don't care. It's beyond reproach. It's completely it beyond reproach. I, yeah, I agree I with want you, to take, indeed. Yeah, I want, I want to take on the death rate in North Korea versus Venezuela for the people that don't know that Venezuela has oh. a higher rate in Baghdad that has a higher death rate than uh, North Korea and here is a local country that should be one yeah. of the richest countries and yet it has a higher yep. death rate of starvation communism and we're doing nothing about it yep. and it's not yep. in the news like it should be yep the uh, only reason I know about it is because I have a friend down there oh no okay I got that I got that wrong actually I'm gonna I got, it wasn't her Hers was about something else. Um, hers was about uh, them making fun of him being uh, uh, saying that Pence was a um, had mental illness uh, because he, you know, he hears from Jesus or something. Oh, like because that. he heard from yeah. Jesus. Yes, I heard that too. I or, or something that. like that. So maybe it was uh, maybe I mean maybe it was uh, uh, someone else who who made that. But sorry about that, folks. But yeah, that's well correct yeah. on that. She's ugly anyway. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> ugly on the inside. Oh, no, she's ugly on the outside, too. <laughs> well, Dr. Tolbert, were you going to... Um, uh, Go ahead. Were you going yeah, you to know, we, get details? We, start, we started the articles uh, January uh, last year on Venezuela before the governor of the Florida or the president got involved. And I work with the churches in Venezuela and we wrote the first articles about the control and takeover. Uh, the borders of Brazil and uh, Colombia have now closed. Uh, the uh, lack of medical care and food in Venezuela is getting so bad they're now taking away the passports uh, from the people. Uh, Russia and China have totally dominated and taking control, and if the United States does not intervene, uh, you're going to have a nuclear country sitting right next door to you with China heading it and formulating it. And America, the people in America, are probably not even aware of, uh, the press is not covering it. We saw an article where Pence made a comment several months ago, and, and Scott made a comment within a month after we wrote the first articles, but everybody's quiet and you're all talking about North Korea. We need to stop talking about North Korea, and we need to talk about uh, our local islands and our local countries. Um, you know, we really need to get involved in Venezuela. What about Puerto Rico? We're not talking about it. Puerto Rico, where we sent a letter to the governor and the president of the United States, and the fact that education, economy, and uh, the uh, lack of medical care and everything in Puerto Rico, we're not doing anything about it. 
we're we're getting outside because we want to talk about uh, what the news wants you to talk about, but not the realization what is really happening here right at hand. Why aren't we taking care of and helping the people in these countries that took our oil supplies? We actually opened up oil in Venezuela. We actually got them to be a strong economy. I sold 50 airplanes to that country when I was selling airplanes uh, before they were taken over. I worked with uh, Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, and these, these South American countries for many years. Uh, now the people that I deal with, and I deal with a lot of people in Venezuela, uh, are just, they can't get, they can't find a doctor. They can't find food. Uh, we're going to let this happen there. And yet we gave asylum to the Cubans, but we're not giving asylum to people of Venezuela who are facing the same, if not equal, hardship that some of the Cubans who were prisoners and who were gangsters in Cuba and Castro released them because he'd take all his bad people and send them out of Cuba and the 200, you know, the two point some million Cubans that came into the United States and were doing nothing for a good Christian country. Venezuela is majority Christians and they're being overcome and everybody needs to pray for the people in Venezuela. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Bard's Logic Political Talk, brought to you live on Blog Talk Radio. In about 15 minutes, we go into the third hour of this show, which happens to be lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark. So the Internet live feed may stop in about 15 minutes at the top of the hour. However, continue listening to the last hour, Bard's Logic After Dark, by calling... 347 945 7428. During Bard's Logic After Dark, make sure your phone is charged up and that you do not get disconnected because you will not be able to dial back in. So make sure your phone is charged up and call 347 945 7428 before the top of the hour. That's 347 945 7428 in the next few minutes. And if you just want to listen, just listen, my friend. If you want to get involved in the conversation, just press 1 on your number dial, and host Robert will help get you into the show. Your unique perspective on the issues being discussed is equally worthy. So call 347-945-7428 in the next few minutes for Bard's Logic After Dark. Also, visit the website, bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. For all the information about the show, times, dates, topics of the day, and so on, you'll see it all right there on the website, bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Then share it with everyone, whether you know them or not, everyone, bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. You can even get Bard's Logic Political Talk podcasts of the show right from iTunes. That's right, everyone, Bard's Logic Political Talk podcasts from the show from iTunes. You're listening to Bard's Logic Political Talk on Blog Talk Radio. Now get ready for Bard's Logic After Dark in about 13 minutes. Back to you, Robert, and back to the show. Thank you very much, John. I certainly could not have done any better at all. Much I would have, could not have done any better. I really appreciate that. Uh, that, that was awesome. We, we may have to have you record that and send it to me. <laughs> I, can, I can play that on cue. 
That, that was awesome. It, I appreciate it. it. Uh, that, definitely. The podcast is recorded, my friend. We just recorded it to the podcast. Well, yeah, that's true. But then I have to. Try, I, I could try to grab it from there. There you go. There you go. I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so definitely uh, give us a call in. We'd like to be able to get you onto the show. Uh, now, one of the things I found interesting, uh, you know, doing a little, you know, because I mean, we all have, you know, all Valentine's Day, but we really don't uh, know much about it. And of course, as many of our uh, holidays, they actually have. And this uh, makes me happy, of course. Uh, it has uh, pagan backgrounds, you know, for my, the lone pagan on the show, uh, which is uh, your host here. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and I have uh, an article uh, posted there on the Facebook page there, uh, the Bard's Legs Facebook page. You can uh, check that out uh, as well. But it actually came back way from the Romans, and of course is uh, – you know, and you know me, I don't blast Christians, but one of the things they did is they adopted a pagan holiday, uh, and of course, uh, they, you know, put their, their St. Valentine on there, who was, you know, kind of, you know, part of the story, in that, you know, there was a number of them that were martyrs, uh, Valentines that were martyrs, you know, of course, you know, from the, the Romans and others. Uh, but anyway, where it came from, actually, um, is I've, I've got this, uh, there was a, and I'll, I'll get your text, is, you know, basically what the Romans would do is they would make sacrifices to a couple of their gods, and what they'd do is they'd kill a goat, and then they would kill, uh, and they'd also kill a dog, okay? And what they'd do is they would skin them, you know, they'd be sacrificed, they'd skin them, and that would actually uh, go to take these skins, right, that's got blood on them still, mind you. And they would go up and actually – they would actually slap, <laughs> slap women with them, okay? And then at night what they would do is they would actually put all the single women's you know, name in a jar, and then the bachelors would pick them, and they'd get paired up, and then I guess they'd hang out or do whatever, uh, as you could use your imagination, uh, that Romans did. And, uh, and so that's actually where Valentine's Day got started. And, of course, some of the um, – you know, as I said, St. Valentine, uh, there's a couple of martyrs, and, you know, I've got the whole, the whole description. We ain't going to go you know, through all this unless you want me to. Um, but, yeah, so it actually has a um, – yeah, and I, actually, it actually has a, uh, a pagan Roman uh, beginning on there. So is, is that, did anyone else, uh, anyone else know that? I didn't that's know where that Valentine's Day – not at all. I'm learn you learn something new every day and I didn't know. It took me thirty eight years of my life to to learn that. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I would have never Ah to be ah to be thirty eight again. <laughs> I would have never even thought it would have derived from that. One would never even think, you know, the perception. I always thought Valentine's Day and you're gonna laugh at me, kinda of derived from France or Italy, you know, some romantic country like that or something that had no clue whatsoever. Well, well what it was, it was, uh, it was, it, it was, well, yeah, they, the, 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 the Christians, they, you know, they Christianized the pagan celebration. It was called, uh, trying to pronounce this as Lubricalia. It was separate, uh, several on the Ides of March or February 15th. 
And Lupercalia was the fe- a fer- it was a fertility festival, okay, dedicated to Faunus, uh, the Roman god of agriculture, probably taken from the Greek Pan. Uh, and of course, there are those who uh, you know know much of you know ancient religions, things of that nature. Pan was also uh, a you know fertility god, a god of music and wine. Uh, you know, celebrations, things of that nature, and, and the Romans, what they did is like, uh, just like the the Christian Christians take things from uh, a lot of the Roman and another and Celtic uh, festivals. To what the Romans did is they took uh, a lot of your Greek uh, Greek deities and, and, and turned them, in, you know, and Romanized them, and so it just it keeps continually. And so, yeah, so that's where it came from. Where the, the priests would, as I said, sacrifice a goat, now for fertility, and a dog for purification, and then they would take the goat's hide in, into strips and dip them in the sacrificial blood, and then go to the streets and then slap uh, women and the crops with the goat hide. And then, uh, yeah, well, then what they do is later in the day, uh, they would place all their names in a big urn, and then the bachelors would uh, choose a name, and they'd pair them up, and they'd do whatever Romans do. And then, uh, yeah, and then they said there was a lot of folks who got married that way, but that was the beginning, and that was back in about 270 um, – I don't know, that was even farther than that because that, they, they said A.D. Um, I'm trying to see how many when, – when that was back. Let's see. Well, Val- yeah, so Valentine's Day was changed from that in 270 A.D., because yeah, that so that was actually an ancient festival, you know, of course, uh, pre-Christian years. But what they did is they took it because well, I guess when they were, the Romans were celebrating those, um, they actually sacrificed some uh, people who were martyred, you know, in, with Valentines, and that's where you get Valentine's Day. Not what I heard. But there's a whole write-up <laughs> on it on the article that I posted on the Bard's Logic uh, page there on Facebook. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I, I I heard that it was, uh, um, you know, St. Valentine is where we get the, the name Valentine from, and it was because um, he went against uh, the church, or he went against the government, I don't remember which, but he went against somebody and began to marry people that weren't allowed to be married, and that um, they, he eventually yeah, was yeah, you're right. He's, that's why he was martyred because um, the, one of the Roman emperors uh, was not allowing uh, was not allowing young men to be married because they figured that uh, single men were be- made better soldiers than married men. So he uh, would not allow uh, young men to get married. And so what uh, Saint Valentine what would do is happen? yes, he'd sneak and and marry uh, and marry the men. You know, marry them. Right. You know, you had the, and then he was martyred for it. Right, and so to, that's the only thing I've heard of that. That's why we call it Valentine's Day is we're honoring him because he was helping people to love each other, to be married, and um, and then he was martyred for it. So, and he was actually given sainthood. So anyway, that's <laughs> that's what I heard. He apparently did some miracles too. I mean, you don't get sainthood just by doing something nice. I mean, he 
apparently had to have, I think it's three miracles they have to have before they can Mm -hmm. get saints. I'm not a Catholic, so I'm not really up on that stuff, but uh, that's what I've heard. It was Emperor Claudius II, by the way. It was um, in the third century. Yeah, it says the Catholic Church recognized at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentina, all of whom were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome. When Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families, he outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and confirmed and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Yeah. Well, so what that's is that one of the, to do? the legends behind it. I, I don't, I don't get what that does. It has to do with a pagan celebration, though. <laughs> you were saying it had. Well, with it, well, because they. Well, that, but that's where the original. I mean, the date. See, the the, the date was the Ides of the Ides of February, which was February fifteenth, and that's how they got. You know, that's how they got. That 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 was their mate, like their mating ritual, you know. There, that's how they. They didn't do like a range, you know, not they weren't the aristocracy, but, you know, your common folk, what they would do is it was actually it was a religious holiday of sorts because, you know, they, they sacrificed these animals to their gods, you know, to two of the gods. OK, because remember, the Romans were polytheistic. And so they sacrificed these animals. And then what they did is they, you know, as I said, they took the uh, it was a it was a fertility ritual. They felt that, you know. That if they got hit with this bloody uh, goat skin, that it would it make women more fertile, and that and that was uh, you know a practice and for you know fertility when you know when you're a growing you know a growing nation, fertility is really important you know because of course with more you know child mortality rates being you know so high that it was back then you know you had to have a lot you know be really fertile to survive. Okay, so you're saying that. Valentine's Day, as we celebrate it, um, the date came from the pagans who had had February fifteenth or whatever as their uh, <laughs> um, their nationwide orgy date or something. <laughs> but but that the reason we celebrate it is totally different. It's just that we've taken the date. Is that what you're saying? Well, see, that's what well, see, that's what they did to a lot. That, that's what you know, Christians did to a lot of uh, pagan holidays. Look at look at uh, All Saints Day. All Saints Day is actually, or Halloween, was taken from. Uh, oh yeah, well, I and know, you know, we got two yeah, uh, about a minute and a half, folks, for coming. All um, well, like the Feast of Beltane. You know how you have the, the, the celebration, you know, the, the celebrations with you know Mary and things of that nature. Now, I know that's a Catholic thing. That's taken from the feast of uh, actually Easter. Is almost like the is really close to the pagans' uh, feast of Beltane, uh, and that's actually when the the Celtoids yeah, that, uh, religions that, got married. There's a different story on the ca- on the on the calendar. Easter uh, is um, paralleled to um, uh, the Passover because um, it's part of it, it's part of the. Um, I mean that's we know that that's when Jesus died, so we're we're actually taking that date from uh, a biblical point of view as well as a historical point of view. So that's that definitely Easter Easter's date did not come from anything pagan. 
That comes well, straight out of um, the Jewish calendar. Yeah, but there's a lot of confusion on that, too, because Passover is like the 29th of March, and Easter is only like nine or ten days later, and you're you're talking about the um, uh, 40 days prior to Passover was created of the 40 days the woman gave birth to a child. So what happened was a woman uh, was not allowed to attend the synagogue for 40 days after she gave birth. So that was the 40 days of cleansing. So Jesus was given the 40 days of cleansing. So the day of Passover happens during that 40-day period of of Jesus' legends, uh, death or birth, uh, at a particular time, and we all know that his death and his birth is not even parallel to the actual days that we celebrate. Just as you get into Ash Wednesday happens to be a time frame that they're going to give you as the 40 days. So there's a lot of conflict about how these dates are assembled. Uh, you get into the Christmas tree. It was a pagan thing they did. You get into Everything that we're well, talking I'm not saying about. That Christmas, I know that Christmas came from a a pagan point of view, but um, and then they just took the holiday and changed it into a Christian holiday. We, but we like Easter, to say that Easter. We like to say Easter is the same as uh, saying Passover, and they simulate the word. And I was doing a little bit of looking at that today on how they have taken because they call this Ash Wednesday, and why do they call it Ash Wednesday, and why does the Catholic Church, who has its own problems, use the terminology? But the Catholic Church was based on a lot of pagan crossovers, so what they were doing is saying if we took these pagan holidays, we assimilated them into our church, we can bring the pagans into our ministries by using their holidays. So they were doing... And I hate the word facade. They set up a facade to convert you from non-Christians to Christians. And that's how we ended up with these dates being so similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how they're kind of trying to convert the pagans over to Christianity. And that's why you got a lot of similarities. Well, also, you know, in your, in your Keltoid religions, uh, you, you, have, you have a trinity. But there's, uh, the Keltoid religion, trinity, is actually... Uh, it's female-based instead of male, because in uh, Christianity you have the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which are pretty much male figures, especially ma- uh, Father and Son. Uh, but in you know, like Druidism, you have uh, the Mother, the Crone, and the and the Maiden, which is uh, yeah. you know three you know three gods in one, so to speak. Um, but it's uh, it's female-based because the, the Celtic yeah. religions well, were very. Uh, yeah, there, there a lot. Of, they, they had female priestesses and stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Jesus had to come from the tribe of David, and what people don't realize is Mary was the one from the tribe of David, and that the sons or the daughters followed the the route of the mother and not the route of the father, and so under the Jewish religion, the female actually takes the primary role. And that in itself causes a lot of confusion that they look at Joseph. Well, Joseph did not come from the tribe of David. Mary did. I thought they, so, I thought they both were. According to the, the genealogy to the actual, and that, it sounds like they were both from. Well, if you go back and, and, and really look into it, you'll find that's not true, that, that only Mary became from the actual tribe of David. 
and that and that uh, that uh, uh, her husband did not. Uh, we went through that when I was doing my degree in theology, and I wrote certain papers on it. And it gets really complicated, but it is uh, it is the Jewish doctrine that you follow the route of the mother and not the husband, and that's why it became the Messiah came through the tribes of the Messiah or the ministers of David. But that's just like two of the tribes never made it to begin with, and the highest number of Jewish people are in Africa. Go figure that one out, too. Dr. Tolberg? Yes. Um, I don't mean to go off topic, but I had a question before, out of curiosity, when you were talking about Venezuela. Uh, My mother was uh, born in Colombia. Uh, neighboring country. I'm curious. What what are the numbers of how many people are uh, dying uh, due to uh, malnutrition, and what are the uh, the numbers? I was just curious. They they said uh, the 250,000 uh, deaths uh, are now occurring in Venezuela, and I deal with a lot of people, but they're closing the borders because people are leaving Venezuela by buses and trucks. And wow. they've been precluded from coming into the United States, but we just reopened the embassy again. Uh, I'm working with people on B-1 visas and helping them get into other places uh, because of that. But uh, what we're trying to do is get the churches reinvolved again because the churches, the young men are being bought by the uh, communist rule in Venezuela uh, and we will provide you food and and medical care for you and your family if you join our army and kill the men and women that don't want to do this. That's what basically is happening. So the family breakdown uh, and the destruction of the country is falling in line what we did with communists with 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 Hitler. They're following the right. same rules and. Uh, there's also been proven that the boycott by China, uh, you know, we talked about this before, all ships are going uh, from Panama to Venezuela. Uh, they're picking up the oil, uh, then they're switched in Panama into Chinese ships, and they're going to North Korea. Uh, there's a lot of things that people don't fully comprehend about why we need to get more involved. And what we're doing with our articles We're saying if you let Puerto Rico go in the same direction as Venezuela, Puerto Rico is going to be taken over also. And the articles that we sent to the president, which was 13 pages, here's the scenarios of Venezuela, and here's your scenarios in Puerto Rico. If you don't get involved in these areas, we're going to end up with some major nuclear problems. And, uh, yeah, 250,000, you pull up... uh, uh, the higher death toll in Venezuela than uh, North Korea, uh, in uh, Iran, Iraq, Baghdad. Right now, it is, it's a really bad situation. Having right. said that, we're having the same problem in America, that Americans cannot get doctors. What's happening now, that your patients go to a hospital, and there are 10 patients, and three of them are in their 80s and their 90s. 
they're being put in the hallway and and dying while they take care of the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, and they're letting the older Americans now die in the hallways. And we're now filing in the middle of a lawsuit on the 101-year-old Miriam that we dealt with, uh, who they took her right to vote. Uh, they put her under Florida Guardian Care. Uh, Sally Baptist, under talk radio that I deal with here in Florida, um, she was uh, very actively involved in protecting Miriam's life. Uh, she died within four days after they put her in a situation and changed her food and everything that they did. And we asked for an autopsy and the state of Florida under uh, statute 77 uh, refused to get involved and help the senior citizens. And they said since the lower court in Orlando uh, um, took away her rights of uh, care that the Florida federal or the Florida state governor and uh, the Florida elder care uh, was not responsible for it. Uh, There are several judges that should be brought up uh, for the death, there's the, uh, the care facilities, 1,800 Americans, uh, uh, senior citizens in the state of Florida are placed in incarceration by the fact of putting uh, uh, hospice care to die and taken away from the care of their family. So, you know, we're, we're not seeing the big picture, not just Venezuela, but we're also well, got a lot the of same problem. Feedback. There, there's some feedback coming back, guys. I don't know where that's coming from, but. It is not I. Because I'm hearing okay, it. Go ahead, Dr. Talbert. Okay, yeah, go ahead. And, and, yeah, and that's why I need, you know, everybody to be more aware of the fact that you have a governor running for the U.S. Senate. And if anybody realizes that the major problems we have in the state of Florida, uh, you talked about also uh, the number of, that was I sent you a link, 36 uh, Democrats are taking over seats in the state of Florida. Uh, I sent something to you. I don't know if you read that or not. It was just a quick overview uh, of the uh, the blue wave uh, hit Florida. Uh, Democrats flipped 36 Republican-held seats. Uh, Republicans are running scared because there's something happening in that country that hasn't happened or occurred since 2006. Uh, the the left is engaged and ready to for a midterm election. And of course, this is what's happening uh, uh, in November. So there's going to be a real question: Is the people going to get the 40% independents uh, involved or are we going to continue with the closed primaries and the decrease of the number of voters, which is then going to allow a Democrat party to take over? That's a, that's an interesting point. Um, um, you know, Robert, what Dr. Tolbert said, he definitely has a point there. It used to be before 2000, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Tolberg, and Cindy also, you're, you live in Florida. The demographics changed. From 2000 up until 2015, 
the primary voting block there is the Puerto Ricans, and the Puerto Ricans tend to vote Democrat. So it used to be traditionally Cuban or Cuban-Americans that voted Republican prior to 2000, but now they're saying that's why the blue wave or why Florida is uh, more leaning towards a blue state. But, um, you know, I don't know if that's completely accurate, uh, Cindy or Dr. Tolbert, but that's what I heard and read in numerous articles. Well, this goes back in the fact that Governor uh, Scott uh, opened the door to the Puerto Ricans, uh, thinking that he could change that by bringing the Puerto Ricans in, taking them out of their own country, not providing care that the uh, uh, things that were going on in Puerto Rico were not going to be recreated, but we're going to bring you to Florida, and we're going to put you on our welfare system so that you'll vote for us. And now they're finding out, well, that didn't work out real well. Uh, the Puerto Ricans are going to tend to stay toward the socialists, uh, things the highest number of people in New York uh, on welfare that come to the United States, uh, unfortunately, uh, because of the lack of education and economy and the lack of proper uh, uh, governmentship in Puerto Rico has created uh, a, a large number of unemployed people that come here and then they go back to their country when they're ready to retire. And I deal with a lot of the uh, people in Puerto Rico. And it's a real problem uh, when we submitted the 13 pages uh, on how we need to ship these people back to Puerto Rico, but we need to ship them back with education and jobs. And when we formulated this small appliance of building uh, uh, jobs in, in America, well, we better do the same in Puerto Rico and some of our territories, because there's a real issue, just like they said, the highest number in Hawaii. What are you guys doing besides tourism right now? I mean, it's a real problem. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's a valid point, and, and um, you know, that's why Florida, I think, is going to go blue. And, uh, you know, 2018 uh, is going to be pivotal. They've gone blue before, yeah. It's gone blue before, exactly. But actually, the Democrats have 24 seats up for election in the Senate. And that's in addition to two more seats who are independent to caucus with them. The Republicans actually only have eight seats up for election to defend in the Senate. So I think that the Republicans have a good chance of attaining the Senate, but in the House, it's a, it's a different story. In the House, the number of seats are, are completely different of what's up for election. Uh, I have it pulled up here, over here. Um, it says that the Democratic Party is favored to gain seats in the chamber in 2018. Uh, it says here... I think... I'm not sure. Maybe if someone else can pull it up. How many seats are up in uh, for the Democratic Party in the House? You mean, you mean for the Senate or the House? House. The Senate, eight seats are up for the Republicans. Twenty-four seats are up for the Democrats. 
in addition to two more seats of independents who caucus as Democrats. So in total, basically 28. Uh, in the House, I'm trying to pull it up here. I know it's different in the House. I've got here that in this on the Senate, um, as I like to go by, let's see, yeah, that's the Senate. Yeah, and the first one that came up was CNN. Ugh, I think it just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I feel the same. Way you know, I used to be able to. I used to be able to tolerate. I mean, even in the primaries, uh, even in the primaries, um, you know, CNN was tolerable. But man, uh, it, it's you know. It's not now. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't even tolerate. I can't even tolerate it. You remember, you remember when I uh, first called in and I first got engaged into the show? I used to be such a Fox fan. I can't even turn on to watch Fox anymore. I mean, Fox is completely just. Um, at one point, I, I I loved it. I thought it was the uh, you know one objective outlet, um, but. You know, then the fallout with Bill O'Reilly and and the sexual mis- scandals and Better Grant Sussman leaving and everything imploded. I can't even watch Fox anymore. It's it's it's, it's like, you know, what Dr. Kohlberg was saying is a valid point, and and Cindy was saying is uh, the news outlets out there they're not telling the truth, and there's I don't think there's an alternative. I, 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 there's no alternative source out there that that I know of that are that are speaking the uh, the truth, and uh, that's the problem with the media. Fox used to be one of the last bastions. I mean, not completely a hundred percent, but at least you know it, it used to be somewhat reliable, but not anymore. So, um, well, what it says. Let's see. I'm trying to find, and this is one I, I really like. I really enjoyed. Uh, it's www.270towin.com because you can really make it real. Um, it's real. It's got. It's a real interactive map. It's it's great. Um, now I don't know if this is right. It says Democrats. Um, is it really 175 that's open? And no, that can't be right. Um, I'm trying to see how many. I'll just give you an idea why you're doing that. George Sawyer's has ties or ownership of over 30 major uh, multimedia networks. Does that answer why nothing is true? I would completely agree with that. That would make sense. I think a five-year-old could connect the dots on that. If Soros controls that much, that explains why. Because if you think about it, the only news outlets that are telling the truth, they're more like blogs, like Breitbart, but there's no major, you know, news channel anymore that objectively tells the truth. Everything is one-sided now. You know, whether you go to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, it's just, it's it's sad. It's like what Cindy said, you know, um, the, our news media is, is going towards uh, more like a communist state-sponsored socialist direction in which uh, they're just spinning what they want the public to know. And the sad part is 
you know, people will, people are so naive. People are so gullible. They'll believe whatever the news is telling them like is the gospel. And they won't even bother to care to verify the sources or verify if it's what it's true. It's kind of like they're, you know, uh, turning a blind cheek. Maybe a lot of them are in denial. Maybe that's the truth that suits them and they don't want to really seek the truth. And it's convenient for them. I don't know. Um, you know, but um, propaganda, and they have a motive. They willfully want to steer the, you know, masses of um, sheeple. You know, they're the wolves in sheep clothing, and they want to manipulate the people psychologically in a certain direction. So it's propaganda. You're right. That's their goal: is to brainwash. And they're doing a I'm great still trying job. to find, uh, let's see. It's, it's just like, Joseph, it's just like the Congress. You guys were saying earlier they don't ever get anything done. Well, when I'm watching C-SPAN, they're getting a whole lot done. They just ain't getting done the things that you think they should get done, apparently, because they're doing a whole lot of stuff. It's just more in the interest of the corporations and the Congress and them consolidating power. They're not... Tr- you know, trying to, in my humble opinion, you know, take this all, this is my own analytical perspective of what I understand. Because, you know, watching any of these Congress sessions on the floor, it's just a dog and pony show. And you have to try to do your diligence to figure out who's telling you the truth. And I've come to the point that it seems like whoever's the majority party at the point in time, that, you know, like right now we have the Congress and, uh, you know, the presidency and, and the bulk of the Senate and stuff is majority Republican. So for some reason now the Republicans, in my humble opinion, I pr- I'm grateful to Senator uh, Rand Paul for standing up and talking what he did on the floor here within the last week or two, the, you know, talking about how things are corrupt and crooked and how people are serving their own interests. And I appreciate that he was about the only one that did that. And the rest of them were happy to collude and just go ahead and pass the bill and do whatever. And it's like these people, they, whoever's in power at that particular time, they use it to beat their particular special interest, you know, into law and whatnot. And they just disrespect the legal Americans and our right to self-govern. And then whenever the Democrats get into office, they do the same thing back and forth, and now it's and it's kind of weird how the Democrats are trying to you know stand up and say, "Oh, we're for the people and we're this and that and stuff." And you know it's kind of a bait and switch. There is some truth to it. You know they appear as an angel of light because they don't totally tell you a complete lie. You know they don't want to look that foolish, but the the Republicans are doing the same thing. Now, you're going to get into the argument of the uh, funding. Um in the budget that the money is going to go toward the military and instruction is going to be reduced according to president Trump. So the, and president Trump is coming up with the comment, the infrastructure belongs to the state. If you want to be a sovereign state, why aren't you taking care of your own infrastructure? And that is a really good comment because of the president's, uh, and and the federal government requirement is to protect us with a strong military forces, and the governor's requirements are to protect 
educate, and take care of inner structure. So all your arguments against the or for the Democrats that's going to argue against uh, the funding and helping inner structure uh, by the federal government means that the Democrats want to breach the Constitution and the Republican Party is going to go along with them in certain areas. Uh, There's going to be a real conflict because people don't understand the Constitution. Yeah, but they're not cutting expenses hardly anywhere, and anything that they do cut in regulations and, you know, tax policies, whether it be rebates, grants, whatever, credits and whatnot, most of them are benefiting the corporations. Now, some of the bills they've been passing within the last month or so that I've noticed you know, they're actually allowing businesses to trade your data even more openly now. And they're doing more collusion with the uh, foreign intelligence groups in order, to, in the name of terrorism, so they can share that and stuff. Well, gee whiz, you know, if you get on some of these lists, I mean, they automatically assume that you have no right to determine anything about your life. As They can do whatever they want to with any information they can collect on you as if, you didn't create it. Well, I'm like, hey, I thought we had intellectual property rights. That, you know, there's copyrights, trademarks, and all this stuff that these big corporations have. So they're saying, oh, so we don't have in- intellectual property rights? So they're basically um, talking out one side of their mouth and saying something totally different the other. Oh, no, when it comes to our products and our copyrights and our trademarks and our utility and design patents and stuff, you know, those are law. you got to stand up and protect them. But when you stand up and say, hey, all of the information you collect on me is my information, and that's my intellectual property. So you can't be using it and just saying it's your property and you get to trade and use it for money and gain at my expense. Then they say, oh, no, that's not the way it works. See, there's a hypocrisy beyond reason. And then they got all this protectionist tax policy and stuff. And otherwise, we wouldn't have LLCs and S-corporations and C-corporations and all these other different trusts. You know, there's, what, a hundred-some-odd different trusts you can set up? Well, naturally, they only favor the people that have the money to set up those kind of trusts or that they can pay somebody to get the knowledge to do it. I mean, don't take everything I say. It's like I'm bashing everybody in that system. It's just like the FBI and CIA and all those you were talking about earlier, Dr. Tobert. There are some really great people in those organizations, too. It's just the bad apples in there. There's too many of them, and they're actually destroying America by doing what they're doing. And I I applaud you. Back to you, Robert. Yeah, but this is going to get back into the point that I'm sending these three letters out to the three places Trump See, it goes to. It looks like to. the Democrats are up twelve or up uh, have twelve seats that are up, but whether they'll, I mean, but they need twenty four to get back to the House. But go ahead, Doctor Trumper. Yeah, this goes back into the fact, though. If uh, I send these three letters out and they're about closing the FBI, the CIA, and the uh, Homeland Security, bring it under one organization, all my letters are going to be reviewed and read before they hit. The president, because I'm sending it to Trump Towers, Mar-a-Lago, and to the president as a memo. And what is going to happen is how will they now investigate me because of my fact that I'm teaching the president the constitutional responsibility of the executive branch, and will we hear 
that there will be a point in time that people like myself that are not going to be available to be on talk shows because they're going to be placed in a confined facilities for other things that they will bring charges as they have done with other people in the United States. The FBI has the power to bring charges against me that are unconstitutional and lock me up in a institution and there is nothing I could do about it because the court system would not protect me. So are you willing to go against the FBI and put yourself at risk? And the answer is you have to be willing to do that. If you're willing to go at arms and protect America as a soldier, and I'm a retired master sergeant, you have to be willing as an American to protect American Constitution. Too many of our Americans today are afraid of the repercussions of the federal government. And the federal government today is controlled by the CIA, NSA, the FBI, and Homeland Security. And unfortunately, these organizations are all formulated to head you toward a socialist-involved government. Will President Trump stand up and go against? And when we formulated this article, and this all started with a conversation that I was having with Robert a couple days ago about the talk show, and I started going things, and then I went into my editor. Her and I got together, and all of a sudden, my conversation with Robert and my conversation with my editor became a three-page memorandum going to the president within 48 hours of these conversations because America is being destroyed by FBI, CIA, NSA, and, and the Homeland Security. That's where your problem is at. You've got to stop the violation of charges, the ownership of land. No land can be owned by the federal government in any state without the permission of the state, of the Supreme Court of the state, and sold to the federal government. We wrote the articles on that. Guess what? The people won their case in court that they are going to get their land back. Uh, We're seeing more and more things that we write that are actually taking place. So, you know, you guys get on this radio show and you ladies get on this radio show, you need to bring charges uh, to the Supreme Court. You need to bring charges uh, against these people about their violation. Uh, You have to stand up and say, I will put my life on the line to protect the United States Constitution, not only as a service member, and that's why we call our company, our, our, what we do, call to duty. You are called to duty to protect the Constitution as an American citizen. How many are you willing to take the chance that you're going to be incarcerated and held as a prisoner, and you might think it only has, happens in Russia, or it might only happen in Venezuela, We have a large percentage of American people being incarcerated for defending the Constitution. Yep. Are you willing to stand up to do it? Dr. Tobert, do you believe that it's possibly, too, there's a large majority of um, American citizens who may feel 
like they want to stand up for the Constitution, but they're not sure how to go about doing what you just said, and they don't have the necessary resources to be able to actually follow through, even if they did know. Do you think that's why did possibly they stop one of the aspects? Why did they st- yeah, but your answer to your question is, why did they stop teaching the Constitution? Why did they stop teaching Christianity? So that those same people you mentioned don't know their rights. That's why they're not doing it. They are not aware of what the right of an individual in the United States. The bakers uh, that made the cakes, they, they won their case, and we presented articles of arguments. The landowners won their cases because of the constitutional rights that the federal government cannot go in and do these things. The, the students today in schools are not being taught in a public school system as they were done in Germany, and Germany was the beginning of Common Core. They are doing the same thing in America now today when they went to the communist socialist realms of other countries. If we don't would, get out there, and this is the good thing about this talk show, because this talk show gets out to many, many people in many com- countries. And when you go into the Constitution and everything, you win. Yeah, Dr. Tolbert, I was actually reflecting on what you said about the, the men and women on this call needs to be suing the federal government or FBI or whoever. And I'm thinking, well, you know, even if you try to do that, you've got to collect some evidence and information in order to make sure that you're going to be able to present your facts and evidence to get a probable cause. And if you're using a Freedom of Information Act in order to try to collect some of that information, they stonewall most people, and we don't have the resources to hire lawyers to help force them, whereas some of these, you know, uh, media companies and certain organizations like Judicial Watch and whatnot, they do have certain groups that are lawyers within them, and they have the resources to be able to force the people to provide the information in order for us to build our evidence and facts. Or otherwise, it goes nowhere. I mean, even just calling your local congressman and trying to talk to them, you never do get to talk to them. And if you do talk to anybody, it's usually a staff or an aide. And, uh, you know, I've had a number of times when I ask them at, at the end of my call, I say, okay, now how are you going to communicate to my president or my, you know, senator? What are you going to tell them? I just told you to make sure that you're communicating correctly for me. And they'll stumble around. I'm just going to summarize it. And I go, yeah, but I want to make sure that you're telling them exactly what I'm saying because I need to be talking to them directly. And then they'll just hang up on you because they don't want to be in that situation. So what do I do? Get a lawyer to go force them to do their business or to force the freedom of information to be provided to me if I don't have the means to get a lawyer? You find you file a letter directly to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will argue under Article 3 that you do not have a right to do that. But under Article 3, you don't have to go to lawyer court. So you do file letters, and enough letters filed to the Supreme Court or letters to the president will change the status. You know, we just tend to forget uh, how this all works. When, when Robert and I talked about this, I spent 10 hours of study, research, looking, reading, going into the Constitution, finding Harvard, Yale papers, founding court cases against and for the FBI. To put this three-page paper together took me 10 hours of research to put it together using seven web links and, and things to do it. And what the American people have to 
This is the only thing you get out of a doctor degree in education. You learn how to do research. That's all it is. And so I have a doctor <laughs> degree in educational leadership. I don't know nothing. It takes editors five days to correct two pages that I write. But the point is that you can, everything that we said, you can take any subject matter and you can prove your point, the write directly to the Supreme Court, go directly to your governor, go directly to the, to the local courts. You can write letters. If the majority of Americans took this action, you would force the change. That's what people don't understand. Your letter forces the change in what's happening in America. Dr. Tolbert, can I ask you a question? Only Do if you... I have the answer. <laughs> well, you may or may not have the Actually, I'm only asking for your opinion anyways. Um, do you think I don't give that a... you don't like to give your opinion? Well, let no, me just I give, ask you. I give, no, I, give, I give you the truth and understanding, no opinion. Go ahead. Okay. Give me some truth and understanding then and tell me whether you think that this um, this memo that has come out about, um, you know, the Hillary and all of her shenanigans and, um, you know, all, all the stuff that just came out. There's several uh, yeah. things involved I, there. I, Do you think that's actually going to I absolutely believe that the Democratic Party wrote a memo and put a document together that had confidential information that prevented the president from properly presenting the arguments of where everything is going. Uh, I believe there's, again, the involvement of the FBI covering up uh, the data, and that's another reason for my article that I'm writing on the FBI is the involvement of the Clintons, the FBI, and Obama, uh, the fact that uh, the Congress did not impeach when they have the right to impeach, whereas the President, uh, Trump, had a right under the executive authority to override even Congress and could have removed, and it's at, at will, uh, it is actually in the con- Constitution that the executive branch over the departments is at will. If a person working under president and will take Homeland Security or will take the FBI or will take the forced people, if you want, or the Department of Education or the VA, the president at will can fire and replace any of these people. And that's why we're put, we're going after the FBI because if we can correct that, then we can correct all the other areas. But I absolutely but believe anything, also that... Do you, do you think anyone's going to go to jail? I think that the cover-up will be such that no one would go to jail. Uh, we're up to 100, 214 people committed suicide under the Clintons. We knew that there were 56 that were associated with the Clinton Foundation, I think that at some point in time there's going to be more people uh, shot and assassinated and called suicide uh, through the Bush, uh, Clinton, and other groups of individuals. And I still believe the FBI is tied into uh, a lot of the negative activities, and I'm not sure if our president is fully aware of his authority and responsibility, and that's why we're going after him. 
So, and okay, that's not that an in, opinion. Is that, These, a, these are is that in your memo? Factual. Yes, it is. Is, yes, that in, it is. is that in your memo? Okay. It is. And we're not posting the memo. Get read? I know that uh, Mrs. Trump signed my 66 pages several weeks ago. I know that we're doing it now by regular mail, priority mail, and by uh, return receipt. Uh, we know that a lot of things that we say within one to two months become an active source. So the question that you ask is when we talk about this in six weeks, uh, will John Kelly still be in his position or will he not be in the position? Will the FBI director and the uh, other groups of individuals be replaced? Will their president take on his authority? I believe these changes will happen. And I think it's going to be based on factual things that we present to the president and not the assumptions that people like to work in. And that's why I don't give opinions. I, I spend 10 hours of studying and research before I present anything. So it's not an opinion. It's facts. The outcome of which will be, is the president of the United States, Donald Trump, going to put himself online with the possibility of assassination by the FBI if he takes authority over the FBI? That's going to be the real question. Mm. Mm -hmm. And here's the question is that unfortunately we only got 20 minutes left of the show, so we can – we only got about five more uh, minutes for conversation. And then – because I do want to give each one of you a couple minutes for – and closing comments for tonight. And I tell you what, tonight just went, just flew by. And of course, uh, I want to thank all of you uh, for that, uh, for you know us here and, and, and our listeners. Uh, so let's go ahead and finish it out in about five minutes, and then I do want to leave about two minutes for each of you for closing thoughts before I have to close things out. So go ahead, Dr. Tolbert, finish that off, and then we're going to start with closing comments. And the way we're going to do it is we'll have it in the in the order of people. So we'll first we'll start off. Uh, with yourself, Joseph, and then you, Dr. Tolbert, and then uh, with uh, you, Cindy, and then Kelly, and then John, and then I will have to uh, close things out uh, for this evening. Uh, go ahead back uh, to Dr. Tolbert a couple more minutes, and we'll have to do our, our closeout. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I usually base this on three subject matters. It's called education, production, and defense. I am educating the President of the United States to increase production to defend our country. So every letter we put out there with Common Core or the felons or the other issues, Homeland Security, bring jobs home, this is called education. There will be no production without education. Without production, there's no money to pour defense. So when you, Now, my job is to bring back God to America. That, that's my job. So everything you hear me talk about comes back to one major point. If I can open the door that people can understand that God is in control of America and we can turn our mind back into the society that we were originally founded on, education, production, and defense will take place, Robert. That's it. 
Okay, well, then we'll go ahead and uh, get our closing comments for this evening. Uh, you know, I know what, uh, I think last time, last couple times, unfortunately, we didn't have a time to, for everyone to get enough time. We ended up getting closed off, so I want to be able to people to be able to do that. So let's go ahead. As I said, we'll start with uh, you, uh, Joseph, and then uh, Dr. Tolbert, if you got got uh, closing comments for this evening on, you know, all of our topics we had tonight, then uh, Cindy, and then Kelly, and then you, John, and then I'll have to close things out. Uh, we bring it over to you, Joseph. Thank you very much uh, for coming to the show tonight. Thank you, Robert. Uh, 2018 is going to be pivotal. I know there are a lot of key races oh, yeah. here in uh, Hawaii, and I just want to publicly go on record in stating I endorse and I support Andrea Tupola to be the next governor of the great state of Hawaii and to defeat the democratic trifecta that exists in this state that is plaguing this beautiful paradise of Hawaii, and may she be triumphant, and may God give her the fortitude, because she's running on the Republican ticket in a deep blue state, to uh, survive the primary and to go on and win the general election. And it was a pleasure as always. Uh, have a good night. Real, real quick, why, real, real quick, uh, yes. just 30-second assessment. Why, why is Hawaii so blue, besides the water? Uh, well... The reason why Hawaii happens to be one of the deepest, bluest states is uh, it has a lot to do with uh, when it was a a territory. Uh, And when it became a state in 1959, uh, a lot of the uh, appointed um, politicians that were appointed uh, were Democrat. And uh, the trend uh, kind of began when it became a state uh, as a Democrat, and it, it's never changed since. So since it's become a state in 59, a lot of the uh, political appointees, when it was a territory, were Democratic, and that trend didn't change when it became a state in 59. And that's probably why it's it's unique in that way. Uh, Hawaii is the 50th state, the last state to become a state. Great. Thank you. And I'd definitely like to talk more about that because it looks like uh, Virginia has, has gone from red to blue, too. But let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, Tobert, for closing comments. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. And, and my comment is that 40 percent of the population are independents and are not Democrats or Republicans, and that we have to bring back into the open primaries. And at which point, then, we don't have to worry about who's a Democrat or Republican that we're going to represent the United States as per the sovereign states and that we have to close down all the ties and links that are currently under the uh, misconception and the antitrust violation of the two political parties and that we have to get back into the fact that we were founded on a Christian nation. And that's pretty much it, Robert. Well, thank you very much again, uh, Dr. Tolbert. We're looking forward to having uh, guests. And just to let the folks know that uh, I emailed, uh, you've been in contact with our guests for next week. And uh, to my understanding, at least at this point, is open to taking not just my comment. I know the one on the 28th, uh, but not just taking my comments uh, and questions, and that's Mr. Uh, McNeil. Uh, but I believe our uh the gentleman for next week as well. Yes, um, Mr. Heidel, he also stated he would be happy to answer questions from uh, the panel here and the audience. So open up to my questions and yours 
So definitely looking forward uh, to that. And so let's go ahead and bring it to you, Cindy. Well, I I have the opposite opinion. <laughs> Sometimes I disagree with Dr. Tolbert. This is one of them. Uh, otherwise, I'm right down the line with Dr. Tolbert. But I I don't want Democrats voting in a Republican uh, primary. I I don't want them to get together and vote for that when they know that their candidate is going to lose in the general election. They historically have gone uh, as a group and voted for the establishment Republican, keeping the true conservative out of the race. This happened in Mississippi just recently. It's happened in, it's happened in several states. And uh, so I, I don't want a Democrat to be able to uh, – I mean, the open primary states, that's what they do. We've already seen that. That's been established as one of their strategies. Speaking of strategies. I, I was very um, uh, I was very optimistic when Trump won the won the presidency, but as I'm watching the the Democrats gather their forces and and um, their their illegal activities and their their uh, their behind their secretive things that they're going on, um, I I see that. Um, you know, I'm hearing like Dr. Tolbert just said, there's 36 seats in our state house that could go to the Democrats, and and there and then I'm also hearing from other sources that our federal house uh, could possibly go to the to the Democrats uh, in 18. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, it's if, done if that if happens. Something, if those things happen, it's over. We have lost because President Trump will not be able to get anything done. The only way for President Trump's agenda to be done is if the House and the Senate are occupied by not just Republicans, but true conservative Republicans. Um, you're going to have to have some evangelical, evangelical Christians in there. You're going to have to have true um, uh, conservatives and kind of and people like Ron um Rand Paul that will stand up for their beliefs, buy into this um, the elite takeover and the elite control of everybody's vote and um, their voice. Uh, I was very proud of Rand Paul. I don't always uh, agree with Rand Paul and in his um, policies, but that definitely made me proud of him. Um, so I'm I'm very I'm very pessimistic. Right now, um, I'm hoping that uh, there's one little ray of sunshine here. Bob Corker had said he was going to retire, and then all of a sudden he he's th- seeing that this woman that's running in his place that's leading the Republican um, primary uh, race, she she's actually a really, really strong conservative, and he doesn't like that. So he's been talking about jumping back in the race. What I'm hearing from the polls, but what I'm hearing from the polls is that she will, she will not only ditch him, she'll ditch every other Republican, and then she'll ditch the Democrat too. So I'm hoping that that's a a ray of sunshine that we're going to get that seat. Bad thing that happened was um, they're talking about um, 
Mitt Romney entering the the Senate race to t- race to take over. Um, what's that guy out in Utah's name? What? I yeah, I can't remember, now. but that's ridiculous. Yeah, what, I'm going to have to reach out to the people, the, the people running. Yeah, I'm going to have to reach out to the people running in Utah then. Uh, try to get a couple of them on the show, or at least one of them. I'm trying to get one from the you know some of the different states. Uh, now, you know, I've, I've got a couple other uh, feelers out there, but I've, I've only heard from a couple of them. Not that I put out a ton. Well, we've of, got, uh, to be honest, at this we've point, got, um, we've got contacts from out there from back when they were trying to oust. Um, uh, what's his name from from being speaker um, when they were trying to get um, Boehner out, and they had that guy Willis Scott Willis come in. Mark Willis, Willis. Mark Willis. Mark Willis. Yeah, they were trying to get Mark Willis in there, and those guys out in Utah were were supposed to vote with him. Um, so I I don't know. We we might we might be able to. Hmm, I might also, still have his email address. Mark Willis. Oh my gosh, I might still have his. Yeah, you might you might still be able to contact him. Also, um, um, that guy, that woman that came on one time, that was um, somehow connected with the Bundy thing. Um, she was from out there too. So, you might have some people that could that you could contact, and you have some good contacts there. Anyway, yeah, definitely have to reach out. Uh, have to reach out to him. But thank you very much, Cindy, as always. And we're looking forward to having you guys uh, to come up with some good questions. Uh, the let me you know, if you want to do a little background uh, research on our guest. Uh, our guest uh, again is from Nebraska, and he is uh, a Republican Senate candidate, Jack Heidel, and it's H E I D E L. And so, if you want to re- you know come up with some some good questions for you for him, uh, that's great. You know, do some you know some research. I'm going to do that, of course, as well. Uh, we're gonna have a great you know, conversation. He's got he does he said he's got about an hour worth of time, I believe, uh, is what he said that he will be able to give to us. Now the gentleman uh, Bob McNeil, McNeil uh, he's actually planning on staying with us the entire show on the 28th because he's gonna not only talk about his campaign but some some things that he's been working with uh, are working on, which um, I, I will I'll keep our powder dry. And not go over that, but it is it is some fascinating stuff because I had a conversation with him for uh, quite some time uh, last night. But let's go ahead and bring it over uh, uh, to you, uh, Kelly, and then John, and then I'll have to close things out. Well, thanks, Robert. I've been listening as I've been working on some stormwater system. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dr. Tolbert, uh, hey, Robert, go ahead and give him my phone number. Because, Dr. Tolbert, I've done things that friends have warned me. You know, you published this book, You're a Dead Man. Um, I might as well paint a target on your shirt. I was doing election integrity things. Three people called me. One of them is a paralegal who's seen the corruption in the courts, and that one got to me. That uh, basically, stop what you're doing or you can end up dead. Well, fortunately, Trump won. But um, ironic how you're exposing the Hillary Clinton uh, stealing of California from Bernie Sanders, it caused her to lose the race because the Bernie Sanders folk just didn't vote for her, for Hillary. Anyway, very ironic. But I'm I'm in this. I've had to do these things knowing that I am um, risking my life. 
and I've got some other things I'd like to talk to you about, and I'd like to learn more about what you're doing. Um, but there's another approach that you might be interested in. But yeah, Robert, uh, if you can give him my particulars, and hopefully we can talk. Um, but it takes, you know, I am actually rather inspired by Dr. Tolbert because we need lots of people like this all over the country. And not just getting involved in in uh, national things, but state things and county and city. And I've been to these meetings, and uh, we've actually had uh, we've had positive impacts. And it's it's really rather amazing to see when you have a victory that you and a bunch of other people getting together, you can make a difference. So I guess with that, I turn it back to you. And uh, good night, everybody. Good night, Kelly. Thank you very much. And yes, that's definitely what the the show is about is, is making a difference. That's for that's for certain, and and everything we do. Go ahead, John. I believe, believe that's all, folks. Now back to you, Robert. Well, I appreciate it. And actually, that is about it, folks. And I do want to appreciate it, uh, everyone, for being on the show, whether you're listening live or whether uh, you listen to uh, our podcast. And definitely, as uh, John. Uh, so manipulately, I can't even say manipulately. That's all, folks. I'm not going to even try to say manipulate. See, I can't even say it. But anyway, you did a great job on that. I don't know why I can't say that word. Magnificent. That's what I meant to say. Magnificent job. Uh, all you did earlier was great, and uh, I appreciate it. And, of course, looking uh, forward to our guest next week. That's uh, Nebraska Republican Senate candidate Jack Heidel. Uh, and, of course, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So have a great week, folks. Take care. We will see you next time. And good night. Thank you.